welcome to episode one of Game Brain, a board game podcast with Matthew Robinson and his gaming group. I am your host, Matthew Robinson, and soon you will meet my seven other co-hosts on this podcast. Yes, you heard me correctly. There are seven other co-hosts on this podcast. Obviously, they're normally not going to all be speaking at once. That would be very chaotic and a whole lot of audio mixing for me. But tonight, they are all here staring at me awkwardly at the moment, and I'm doing my best to uh, keep reading the copy I wrote. I also promise to not read copy every week, uh, but there's a lot to explain on this podcast, and I want to tee it up as well as I can. Game Brain is a weekly podcast hosted by me, focusing on board gaming, but through the lens of my board gaming group. Each week, I will bring on a different member of my board gaming group as my co-host. There are eight of us, including me, so each of them will be my co-host roughly once every two months. While the focus of the podcast is to review board games, preview board games, talk about our current board game obsessions, discuss the board game news, rave, rant, and wax poetic about board games, it will all be done through the lens of an actual weekly board game group. Why through the lens of a group of eight people you've never met before? Because I think if all goes to plan, this format will truly be the best way to showcase the board gaming hobby in the most realistic and positive way possible. As a social activity done amongst distinctive, familiar, close, and usually loving friends. And that's what I think will separate us from other board game podcasts, of which there are a lot of great options. The biggest difference here is the group. Other board game podcasters, they have their sweet spots. They like A more than B, no matter how open-minded they try to remain. But my gaming group, we've got just about every kind of gamer represented, from casual to hardcore and beyond. So when we talk about games, you'll be able to find someone who's into games the way you're into games. Or at least, that's our hope. We love games, we love gaming, and for the most part, we love each other, and we want to share what we love with all of you. Not to reach too far or get too sentimental, but I truly hope this is a wildly positive show that is as much about board gaming as it is about friendship. Before I introduce you to my seven co-hosts, I wanted to briefly introduce myself. My name is Matthew Robinson. I'm a screenwriter. I live in Los Angeles, California. If you're here because of a podcast I did on the Earwolf Network for eight years called Get Up On This, welcome. I'm really glad that you followed me here. If you were a fan of that podcast, then my passion for board games is nothing new to you. The 10 or so minutes a week I used to spend talking about board games will now be extended into a full podcast. Huzzah! So why do I love talking about games so much? Because I have a game brain. Aha! The title of our show. What is a game brain, you ask? Well, it means that I have the type of brain that is recharged, relaxed, and energized by playing games. It means that when I'm not thinking about work or family, that I naturally gravitate towards thinking about games. I think games, specifically games that involve strategy and or tactics, are an intrinsic part of being human. Not everyone has a game brain, but having a game brain is a pretty typical human trait and probably can be traced back to cavemen scratching tic-tac-toe into the walls or trading wheat for sheep. So what kind of board games do I like? Well, I think the answer to that is what makes me particularly suited to hosting a board game podcast, because the answer is I like all board games. Well, I like all good board games, but there really isn't a genre of board game that I don't like or a mechanism I can't find interesting enough to try. And the only thing I love more than playing board games is getting new people plugged into this awesome, flourishing hobby. I've been pretty hardcore into board games for almost 10 years now. My love for the hobby has brought me to Indianapolis for Gen Con and Germany for Essen Spiel, to Netrunner tournaments and board game stores in nearly every city I visit. I enjoy playing everything from 18xx to Splendor, from Blood Rage to Brass, from Splatter Spellen to GMT to FFG. I genuinely love all board games. But hands down, my favorite part of the board gaming hobby is the friends I play with every Tuesday night. Welcome to Game Brain. Please allow me to introduce you to your seven other co-hosts. I present to you... My board gaming group. Hey! <laughs> What's up, guys? All right. Uh, look, we're not normally going to do uh, this, which is eight people. Like, honestly, we want to get to our game night. This is our game night. So maybe every 
eight episodes. We'll all come in here, check in. This one's a little more important because everybody's going to introduce themselves. But Tuesday night, this is Tuesday night. It's 8.18 right now, Tuesday night in Los Angeles. I believe the date is March 19th, 2019, episode one. Uh, and we are uh, going to try to get this out of the way in a couple minutes and then play some board games. And then you will get your first guest on the podcast very soon. And how are we going to get our first guest? Well, we're board gamers. We're going to roll for player order. But before that, I think it's uh, due time that all my other co-hosts introduce themselves, tell you a little bit about themselves. And we're going to start with Tom Dog. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Tom. I am the game master of the group. Uh, what does that mean? It means that if, uh, if Matt is the Neo of our podcast, I am the Morpheus. Correct. <laughs> Uh, for about 25 years, I've hosted my own game night, still have it. It's on Friday nights. I'm also a screenwriter, also from Los Angeles, and about 10 years ago. I'm basically, you're just me 10 years, and I'm you 10 years before. Wait, what am I trying to say? Be afraid. Yes. Just be afraid. Like, it's this like is, looking in a mirror. what you have to look yes, forward to. Yes, the future. Um, love games of all kinds. Love teaching people and getting people into this hobby. When I first discovered... Well, you're the one who got me into the hobby. Yeah, 10 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. You were the first one. Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, as far as uh, games, um, because I've been playing so long, I think I'm more into some of the heavier type uh, Euro games that you can play. My number one favorite game of all time is D-Mocker. Mm. D-Mocker is the, f- I think it's the first Euro. Matter of fact, Board Game Geek has it listed as game number one. If you look in there, oh, really? it is absolutely number one. Not ranked number one, but, no. but listed. Not ranked at all number no, one. but it's it definitely is, not. It is game ID one. <laughs> Wow. At Board Game That's Geek. That's dope. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, basically, 10 years before all of the other Euro games started appearing, right. this one weird game about the German parliamentary election system came out, and it had so many of the mechanics and so many of the ideas that we would see again and again and again. I think it's absolutely astonishing. Uh, parliamentary election system doesn't sound really that exciting, but guess what? I make my own version of it, which yeah. has the... Uh, I have the, played said version. The American primary system. I do want to apologize to everyone in the United States of America because the last time we did play it, the person who was playing the Trump campaign won. <laughs> and I feel that is on me. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Shall we move on to our next gamer? Next up is Jesse. Welcome, Jesse. Hello. Uh, I am Jesse Warren. I am the analytical gamer. And I guess that's because nobody else here is analytical at all. Just me. Just I'm the you. only one who's analytical. The only one who thinks about their moves. It's Cap- a nice way of Captain saying the AP, AP player. It's just a nice way of saying the AP player, in my, man. In my worst moments, I can be Captain AP. Um, but in my more, I guess, positive uh, side of this, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in deconstructing games by their various winning strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will often explore the road less traveled in hopes of discovering hidden synergies that can lead to a surprise victory. You also wrote down some some things to say, just like I, I did. <laughs> wrote it down. Yeah, you are. You are the. Uh, you, you like to win. You like to focus on strategy. You take gaming seriously and strategy seriously, and you have a very uh, thoughtful and strategic and uh, analytical mind. Sure. And you take a very long time on your turn. Not always. That was the beginning. <laughs> now the reputation is stuck. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, next up. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, favorite game. I don't know. There's so many depending on the, the, the genre. I guess right now I'm going to have to pick. I'm going to pick Agricola just because it's fair. It's elegant and classic. I'm getting, I know it's classic, but I've just recently been getting into it and really deconstructing it. So. Oh, sorry, what? 
That is clearly my game. <laughs> yeah, he did steal Trey's game. What? You said you said Concordia. My piece, no, my piece is an Agricola piece. It's true. He literally has wheat. You said a Concordia. I'm the only analytical game. <laughs> Next up is Jake. Hey, everybody. I am the casual gamer. And I basically just like to come and hang out with my friends. For me, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and... This is the only grown-up activity that I pretty much get, which is saying something considering what we all do. Yeah. So you are not you are not spending half your days on board game geek studying the no. the rule sets for hardcore heavy euros. You show up, you just no, my want... experience is I get to try a new game every week and then never again. So I have no <laughs> well, option to ever well, improve or ever have a chance at winning ever. And we I are going to change that and we are gonna get into that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. But Jake, the casual gamer. The casual gamer. I actually I just like, uh, I do like learning the new games. Yeah, but you and do have a gaming passion that you, that you loved I your mean, whole life, was, and we did uh, recently. I Nintendo generation. I grew up right. playing every possible game there was, and for a long time, I was like right there cutting edge. But you, you had a tabletop game that you loved as well. Well, I played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons back in the day, there but you go. that's, you know, a lot of people. We did a campaign a couple that. years ago. We did. That was my most favorite game night ever. And this is I what mean, I'm trying extended. to do. did. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jake. Oh, my pleasure. Next up is Trey. All right, so I'm Trey also. Uh, I design educational simulations, which are really just a way of getting paid to write LARPs for institutions. I've created LARPs some being live action role playing games. You. Uh, I actually started out, uh, Tom and I, along with Mark now, we formed a, a little, not a company, but we had a group called IOCane Productions that we still, still exist, and we do LARPs at Gen Con. Yeah, I've done many of them, they're great. Thank you. Um, but that actually was the start of a career for me. I segued from television editing into designing LARPs for institutions. So I have a game that's running uh, as part of the National Archives called the Situation Room Experience. It runs at the Reagan Library and the George W. Bush Library. That's been going for about uh, two years now. And then we've got a new scenario that's going to play at Reagan, but also at Mount Vernon, that's going to be coming this fall. Um, that's called Washington's Cabinet. And so that's your chance to kind of do a live action uh, Hamilton game. That's awesome. So you are, you're one of the gamers at our, in our group that actually sort of games for a living. I, a yes, way. I'm actually managing to make a living in gaming right now. And right. so that's, that's definitely living the dream. And I feel like I'm on borrowed time as I you know, try to, try to do uh, the next project. But I think what the, the thing that um, I have done some board game design, I don't have anything um, published, but I think what I'm going to try to bring more of a design look at why we like the games that we like, try to break things down about why things, certain things are working, why certain things are phasing out even since we Well, I always we notice playing. when we play games, you often you often critique them from a designer's perspective. Like, well, why did the person add this mechanic in? Or why did this, you know, oh, I, I think this was a mistake here. Or, you know, you, you That's come right. at I'm here to ruin everyone else's <laughs> fun and tell them that they're not really yeah. having fun. Even you're actually, though they're having, you actually yeah, are wrong. That's, you're not having any fun. That's, that's my role right. here on the podcast. And you have a favorite game that definitely Jesse didn't just say? Yeah, uh, it was and in fact is uh, Agricola. And you I, have a you have your image on an Agricola card, if I'm not that's mistaken. Right. If you have the Jesse, do you have your picture on on an Agricola card? I believe so. I have designed a few cards for Agricola and the image on the Light Sleeper card. If anyone has the G deck, mm. that's actually me. That is Trey. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. Next up is Dimitri. 
Hello, I'm Dimitri Portnoy. I'm a screenwriter, Jan. Um, and I basically play games to talk to my friends, find yeah. out what they're up to. What you are the social doing. gamer. I am the social gamer. Uh, basically, I like complicated, abstruse games that keep my left brain busy while my right brain makes bad jokes and well, occasionally sings. And what you do love to sing. And what I, what I always think of you is that at any given moment, you would happily stop playing whatever game we're playing and just talk. Yes. You, you in fact, would greatly prefer if we all lost our board game collections and, and still wanted to hang out as much. Yeah, and go see Tarkovsky movies, sure. an occasional musical. Right. But the, the gaming is uh, circumstantial. It's not, it is not, you're not here for the games. It's not important it's at an, all. Are we playing a game right now? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, do you, but do you, there is one game that you often request. I love Teach You. I what is almost teaching? never get to play it. It's a combination of bridge and poker. And I like it because it's like poker, but one person is your friend. It's a four-player game, and you're on teams of two. That's right. right. And it, is not, it, it, it pretends to be an ancient Chinese game, I think, but it was designed it's like not? 10 years ago by, by an American. Oh, please I think. Don't, don't, don't disillusion <laughs> me, Matt. But it is a modern card game, and it's a great trick-taking game. Um, I like it a lot. Well, I'm glad you're here, and uh, I know you'd rather we weren't even recording this podcast. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Next up is Alfred. Hey, my name is Alfred Darlington. I am a, often a musician. Uh, I've known Matt for a long time, yeah. but not in a gaming context. Mm -hmm. Actually, not until more recently. Generally, my life is, is uh, a series of hapless, chaotic, ill-reasoned everything, and gaming is my oasis and my opportunity to have... A little bit of calm, quiet, thoughtful, fun. Um, and that is why we have deemed you the rules the lawyer. Rules lawyer. And, and although uh, this will be an aspect of myself that I will present here, it, it is the case that I, I find myself preoccupied often with, with gameplay that is like well-reasoned uh, well in a way that makes mm -hmm. us that it kind of like find some comfort in that moment. Well, I will say this. When I teach a game, I often look around the table and notice eyes glazing over, <laughs> but never your eyes. They are like an eagle just seeing every rule, tracking it. Hey. And then I know I never have to teach a rule twice because Alfred will be there to make sure that even I... Don't forget the own the rules that I just taught moments ago. Again, I'm lapping it up. This is my bread and butter. This is something I really do enjoy. Uh, a good game doesn't need to be explained too much. It just sure. plays out really nicely. The mechanics are intuitive, like yes, elegant and beautiful. Just like kind of perfect chords, just hanging in space. They're all there to be plucked, et cetera, et cetera. And I will say that it drives me insane when people decide to uh, to bend the rules. But obviously, that's a part of gaming. There's like there's these cheating games that we play sometimes <laughs> where you're supposed to lie and cheat and steal. They break your brain. They I just I have a hard time. But you know I love you guys, so it's easy to um, try. Sure, I guess. Yes. Well, you, that's one thing that's great about this whole group is I think we are all for the most part willing to play almost anything except Trey with dice games and maybe <laughs> me with Avalon sometimes. Uh, uh, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. We all love a lot of games, but I've asked all of us to, to mention one game that maybe holds a special place in our heart. Doesn't Not necessarily our favorite game, but what uh, what, what game do you well, think Well, I of? adore The Gallerist. I adore a game where you just take one move and maybe you're only making like three or four yeah. times in the entire game and yet at the same time, like six hours have passed yep. and your brain slightly burns from the decision making. Yeah, Vital Lacerda, of course it's... <sighs> I think most of our most of us that's his favorite our favorite game if maybe maybe Vinos, uh, but yeah, maybe yeah. I like Kanban a lot too. But yeah, Gallerist is Kanban's incredible. Gallerist was I feel like uh, pretty mind blowing when it first came out. 
Yeah, and still to this day, I, I think about that game. I think about the decisions I could have made. I think about the things that could have happened. Obviously, it's one of these games where there's no chaos. There's no... there's no Deterministic, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's perfect for me. Totally. Thanks, Thanks Alfred. And last up, but surely not least, especially in our hearts, is Paul. <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Paul Satachit. I am the Game Breaker, also known as the Croc. The dog slayer, the heir to the uh, Iron Throne. The man of many names. <laughs> yes. What, is it, what does it mean to be a game breaker, Paul? Well, I am the one who's most likely to find uh, a mechanism in uh, a game to make it not fun for everyone else. I think I'm the guy who is, if I could find something to like make someone feel sad during the game, I yeah. think that's that's pretty much my uh, so you're drawn to the psychological aspect of, of, of the, the meta of the group as well absolutely the, the game that takes place between the games uh, unlike most of uh, our group i actually don't care about winning mm. what i care about is taking victory away from people <laughs> and it turns out that if i win i take victory from the most people so, so you have your own secret victory conditions it, or maybe not so secret I, I think our group calls it the secondary win condition yeah yeah correct uh my and basically, my primary condition is, <laughs> is, is, is to make someone cry. Exactly. To create the table flip. They've, I've been told that, you know, my, uh, my best, uh, what you call it, um, what I look for most is for someone to lose their, their mind. Cool. Yeah. During, that, that, that's, that's a win uh, for me. Yeah. Now, uh, some people might think that that sounds obnoxious, but it's, I think it's actually a, a super important part of any game group because you make sure that uh that there is an ongoing game happening at all times that that bring that can bring weight to any game absolutely i feel like there's a a meta for a particular game but there's also a meta for our group and i'm the one most likely to exploit people like to pretend that all of that isn't happening paul just is there to say (laughs) it's all happening and i'm gonna make sure we're all aware of it yeah we're we're, it's it's all one D &D simulation yeah exactly and, and, and i'm aware of that uh my favorite game is probably avalon partly because that is the, the resistance avalon is the, exactly. the full name of yes. it uh, i like the uh how it's boiled down to the fact that you either trust or don't trust and that's all of it and everything else exists in the meta yeah i love the meta that we as a group have created and how it keeps on evolving as we play it more often. And most importantly, I really enjoy the fact that it causes you and Alfred great pain. Yes. I, I would be hard-pressed to think of a game that is more indicative of a play style to a player in our game than Avalon is to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is... Uh, look, we've met everybody. We're going to try to keep this short too late. The elephant in the room here is that I have started a podcast with eight different board gamers who are trying to represent all facets of gamer styles and there are uh, seven out of eight of us are white men. Uh, so maybe all facets, but not a complete representation right. so of I, the I, gaming community. Uh, women and people of color are a huge part of this hobby and this community. And uh, I, I, I'm not attempting to say that this is a diverse group. It is by no means a diverse group. But these are the eight people that I actually game with that I have uh, called. You know, we've had about 30 people come and go over the last 10 years. These are the eight that have stuck around or and here wa- now yeah. and, and want to actually play these crazy games that I want to play every week. Uh, and so, yeah, I just wanted to address it because if you are a woman listening to this, as, as my wife was the first to point out when I told her the idea, she goes, you got to maybe put some women on that show. Uh, yes, of course. I, as guests in the future, of course, Maybe some of you are going to get kicked out of this group, and hopefully we'll get some more people in here. If I have anything to say about it, yeah. <laughs> but I just wanted to address it uh, because it seems odd to not address it. I'm not attempting to create the most diverse group of all time. Just I'm just showing you who my actual gamers friends are. 
but we are going to now do something we're going to do every cycle. Yes, every eight episodes is going to be called a round, much like in a board game. And each episode is going to be called a turn, much like in a board game. So this is round one, turn one, what's about to be. And we are now going to decide who is the first player. And much like everything else in our group, we are going to game the pants off of this. So I am going to ask Siri to roll a seven-sided die, which I know is an impossible die, but Siri is capable of doing that. That person is then going to decide where they want to sit in turn order, whether they want to be the first episode, the last, the second, the third, anything they want. So Siri, please roll a seven-sided die. It's two. Number two. I would like to go seventh. So Paul was number two. Paul is choosing to go last. He's chosen last episode in the cycle. So now we are going to roll again. And of course, now there's only six people left. So we're going to roll a six-sided die. Siri, roll a six-sided die. Rolling. It's five. That would be Thomas Dean Donnelly. Tom, where would you like to go between positions or turns one through six? Well, generally, since Paul is actually my brother-in-law, I like to be as far away from him as possible. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm lead off. I'm going Swoops first. in on pole position. Pole position is taken. Episodes two through six are available. Siri, roll a five-sided die. Rolling. It's four. That would be Trey. Trey also choosing to go second. Second episode, Trey. So right now it is Tom, Trey, whole lot of space, and then Paul. Siri, roll a four-sided die, please. Rolling. Four. That would be Alfred. Alfred, would you like to go third, fourth, fifth, or sixth in the podcast order? Alfred's choosing third. Siri, why don't you go ahead and roll a three-sided die for me? Rolling. Three this time. Siri, you're always rolling high. That's amazing. Jake, fourth, fifth, or sixth? Jake's taking four. Jesse, your heads. Dimitri, your tails. Siri, flip a coin. Tails. Dimitri, would you like to go fifth or sixth? Uh, I am no relation to Paul, so I actually like him. I'll be six. Jesse, that makes you episode five was my original pick. Well, well played then, sir. Uh, all right. So the order of episodes uh, are going to be Tom, Trey, Alfred, Jake, Jesse, Dimitri, and Paul. That is the player order for round one of Game Brain Podcast. In just a moment, we're going to jump right into Tom's episode. But first, uh, we're just going to do a quick recap of an idea. So Jake spoke earlier about feeling like we always play new games. And I saw an idea on Reddit that I, I, uh, I'm just going to steal. They had the 10 by 10 challenge, which is 10 games, 10 times. See if you can play the same 10 games 10 times. I'm, I, because we have eight people in this podcast, we're going to do the 8 by 8 challenge. Now, I have already chosen five games. And are we going to play these eight times? We're going to play these. Now, I have chosen classics, guys. I have chosen great games. I've chosen so games. I'm just, are we committing to 64 episodes here? No, 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 no. 64. This could, this could take years. This, uh-huh. oh, here's how uh-huh. it's going to work. We are not going to have to play these games at every game night. If there is not a new game we're all excited to, to play, well, we should look at this and, hey, let's try to check off one of these because you know what? These are all incredible games. I chose 10s. I don't think there's a game in that top five I picked there that I would not call a 10. Now, the, the three, uh, I've given you a, a list of about 18 games to choose from. You're all going to vote on them now. And then our next episode, we're going to reveal them. So I'm just going to read you the locked in five. These are five games that I consider games that I will always play. And I hope if you don't agree with them, I think hopefully you'll play them enough times yeah, to these, really love the depth of them. Of- Say a lot about what our group is about. Yeah, no, these are pretty heavy, pretty heavy euros, and this is what we like. We we like deterministic games. So uh, the first five games are Concordia, classic Matt Gertz, Age of Steam, Martin Wallace's masterpiece. 
Is it? It is. Uh, Pax Renaissance. The uh, I would say the the sleeper in this group and a, and a newer game, a newcomer, but I think a game that plays with great depth. That these are games that really reward multiple plays, and I think Pax Renaissance is a game that actually is doesn't even become a game you can play until you played it four or five six times. Uh, Food Chain Magnet probably Splatter, the, one of the greatest games of all time, but the, 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 probably the best game of the last ten years or so. Splatter Spell and an incredible game, and last is Gaia Project, which is a uh, some people would say a retheming of Terra Mystica, and I would have agreed with them until I played it, and now I will never play Terra Mystica again. I think Gaia Project is much better, and there are so many different races to play in that game, so many different aliens to try, that it is a game that I can't imagine getting bored of, uh, and I think it's worth at least playing at games. I'm just going to quickly list for the other games. Each of you are going to vote for three of them. We will reveal the winner on the next episode. These are games that we are up for. Whoever gets the most votes wins. Ties, uh, we will do a vote off. 18xx this could be any 18xx game of which uh, right now our options would be 1846 or 1830 uh, agricola Yay. avalon paul's favorite game brass either birmingham or lancashire castles of burgundy the lightest game on this list but a great feld el grande feast for odin my personal favorite uh uva rosenberg game forbidden stars which is one of the only ameritrash games on there but a absolutely incredible four-player ameritrash game the gallerist already mentioned gloomhaven also throwing a bit of a euro ameritrash on there but a game that really rewards multiple plays a little more thematic than uh the other lists what's that it is number one. Gloomhaven is the number one game on board. This might be right my now. only chance to play Gloomhaven since be. I got excluded from your Gloomhaven group <laughs> because of who I am. Uh, Glory to Rome, which is uh, a, a, a classic and amazing game of which I own the Black Box Edition. Uh, Grand Austria Hotel, a, an incredible game I love as well. Great Western Trail designed uh, by... Uh, by Fister. Uh, La Havre, uh, which is another one of my favorite Uwe Rosenberg games. Lorenzo Il Magnifico, I think probably the best middleweight Euro of with the last the few years with the expansion, the expansion, of course. Of course. Marco Polo, one of my favorite middleweight Euros of all time. With the expansion. With the expansion, of course. Terraforming Mars, which is everybody. Multiple expansions. If you're into board games, you're going to love it. Multiple expansions. Through the Ages, I think a classic game. The long, Maybe the longest game on this whole list that isn't 18xx. A great, beautiful game that rewards multiple plays. And I've saved it to last. It didn't come up earlier, but this is my favorite game of all time, probably. This is Twa, spelled T-R-O-Y-E-S. You probably want to say Troys, but you would be incorrect. Uh, throwing that on there because I love it, and I also think it's a game of great variability that rewards multiple plays. It's the so, least offensive dice game ever designed. It is the least. The, the, the rolling of dice is not too relevant because you can buy other people's dice. Uh, so that is it. We're not going to talk about that again uh, until next week when I reveal the winners and we start our 8x8 challenge. Hey, I also think if you have a game group, start a challenge. Start as many as you have people. I'll vote on them. Uh, it's a great way to to really find uh, the true gems in your collection, games that do not get boring after eight games, that reward uh, multiple plays and strategy. Uh, that is the uh, end of this session. We will, uh, you will not be hearing again from all eight of us until the next round, uh, but you will be hearing from each one of us in depth starting in just a few minutes, and we will start with Tom. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, welcome uh, to the first episode the first true episode of game brain i'm i'm very happy that uh that the gods of dice and siri have chose tom donnelly the game master i have been chosen to be my first guest on the podcast you have been chosen siri chose you uh so look i said i said actually a few times in the past one that on the next episode we're gonna this is the next episode so I, I kept thinking in my head it was the next episode because I was going to be recording it a few days later. Voila, we are we have time traveled a few days later. It is now Thursday. Uh, it, it is not. 
It is, geez, it's Friday. Wow. It is Friday morning. Uh, that's, that's what my week's been like. A little crazy. Um, but yeah, so we are past game night now. Tom is here. We're going to record on a episodes. And this is what it's going to be like. So I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of sort of what you can expect from most episodes. It's not going to start with a 30-minute crazy explanation of our whole podcast and a live thing. We're going to be jumping in normal episodes. And we're going to get into the board game talk Instantly. This is not going to be one of those podcasts where I ask Tom what he ate for breakfast every single day this week. Uh, we are here to talk about board games. We are busy people. We are going to talk about board games. I really want to talk about breakfast this well, morning. We're mostly going to talk about breakfast today. Uh, so every podcast, here's what you can expect. We are going to go over this week's game night, talk about what we played, how it went, thoughts, reviews, if anybody annoyed somebody else, if anybody spilled things on one of my games. That happened this week. We'll get into that. <laughs> uh, we're also going to go over the board game news, everything that happened in the week of board games, all the important things you need to know about Kickstarters that went live, people who got upset, people who were sued, board game geek drama, all the games to be looking for. Then we are going to do a quick uh, discussion of uh, games that are on the brain, games that I and my guest, whoever it be that week, are thinking about at the moment, what we're currently obsessed with. A quick talk about that. Quick update on the 8x8 challenge we're going to get, which is going to be interesting this week. Yep. Uh, and then we are going to do one board game review every week. That is going to be the meat of which is then surrounded by the bread of all the other sections, but the meat will be the, a review of a game. This week's game is Wingspan. Wingspan. The hotness. Uh, after that, the, uh, a very exciting thing every week is going to be a group member-specific segment. So where, where I said that every episode is going to basically be the same stuff, this is the one thing that will be different every single episode is the, uh, the guest that I have on that week, the member of the group, is going to have a specific segment tailored to their play styles, that will be different every single time. Although, you know, when it comes to their episode again, it will be a, a, a version of what they, what a version of what that segment was last time. Basically, yeah. The, the each one of us has our own specialities, has our own things that we love and things that we want to talk about. And when it's our turn at the mic, we're going to be talking about those things that we love. It's not necessarily what I talk about this week isn't going to be what I talk about the next time. Well, you are the exception to the rule because sure, you sure, are sure. the jack of all trades, the game master. So you have the ability to sort of have different segments every time. Where everybody else, somebody like Alfred is the rules lawyer. We're going to be talking about sure. game table, uh, you know, propriety and the way you should, you know, the the way to track board game states and uh, what it's like to be a rules lawyer and those kind of things. But Tom, <laughs> Tom covers all facets of the board gaming hobby and therefore his segments will be different. Uh, after that, we are going to do a quick uh, section called Board Game Sommelier, which is where you are going to send me and whoever my guest is that week your question on what games are appropriate for whatever their situation is, whether they are looking for a game to buy somebody, whether they're looking for a game with their significant other, their game group, what. We are going to recommend the perfect game for you. Uh, and you can email me at matthew at gamebrainpod.com for those. I'll give that again at the end of the podcast. But I recommend a lovely Euro. <laughs> yeah, we will, we'll be LARPing the Sommelier the whole time with very, very offensive French accents. Uh, and then finally, we will be uh, talking about anything else we're playing in the world of gaming that outside of board games uh, usually will be things like pinball for me and uh, maybe LARPs or RPGs for Tom. Yep. Uh, the occasional video game will be brought up and then after that, we're going to be gone. So roughly an hour probably, I'm guessing, every podcast. This one obviously is going to be bit longer because we had a 30-minute introduction at the beginning. And it might be a bit longer in general because we're two of the more longer-winded people. We are. People. And we're, you know, we're just getting this down, guys. We're, we're knocking out the kinks. But, so it, but you know, if you like board games... You're here. What are you compla- why are you complaining about more board <laughs> games? Uh, all right. So let's get into it. This week's Game Night, Tom. Tell us about what we played. 
So, well, okay. So our first hour was dedicated to this, to the opening of this podcast. And right. so we had a little bit of an abbreviated Truncated time. board game night. And uh, I guess the first thing we should say is the three games that made it onto our 8x8. We started right. off with five games, right? We started off with Age of Steam, Pax Renaissance, Food Chain Magnet, uh, and Gaia Project. Right. And what else? One more. Uh, Concordia. Concordia, right. Those were the initial five. And then everybody had a a, 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 a a private ballot they filled out, picking three out of about 18 games that we listed. Correct, correct. And uh, Matt's could, one problem was he just said, rank the three that you want the most on it. Pick three that you yeah. want. It wasn't. It didn't have a section to say, what is the one game you want to veto? Oh, you would have, you would have added a veto layer. I would not have added a veto layer. <laughs> but you and Alfred would have vetoed the game that got the most votes. It still would have won. Avalon. It would have had that many more votes, though. It I would have been that's fine. True. I right? guess there's nothing true. we could have done. It was unstoppable. Uh, the Resistance Avalon definitely made it. It had the most votes. I believe it had eight or nine votes. I mean, almost everybody wanted that in. I think because it's an easy one to check off. That's not no, more than they like it. Because it is really likes one it of much. the most amazing games <laughs> ever. It is. First of all, it is. It, it checks two boxes, not just oh, one. Geez. Okay, it is a social deduction game. Yeah. Okay. It is and, the only social deduction game we play, really. And it's our only co-op on the list. It's true. It no, is a, you're it, right. Right? Well, semi-co-op. <laughs> no, absolutely semi-co-op. But, but, but as, you, co-op. And I, as yeah. you and I have discussed many times, co-op uh, for, us, for, for us, semi-co-op, you just fit literally, when you splice this together, yeah. you're literally going to go from you saying that you love all games uh, no, to you I, saying exactly. co-ops. No, no, no. Co-ops are great. Uh, as solo games. <laughs> <laughs> or with people who uh, are not our game group. You, the, the the alpha player. We'll talk about the alpha player. Yeah, we'll talk we, about we that. Can talk, we can talk about that. But semi-co-op uh, eliminates some of the yeah. problems that can happen in a, sure. in a co-op game. So Avalon made the cut. The next game that made the cut was a surprise to everyone, I think. And uh, yeah. definitely a little outside of our norm in terms of heavy Euros, Gloomhaven made the cut. We're going to be bringing Gloomhaven to the table at least eight times. I was shocked, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. Good. It's I, awesome. Dude, Gloomhaven is Awesome. And that is somebody who is a heavy Euro snob, an 18xx snob. Gloomhaven is awesome. Well, you've interviewed Isaac, haven't you? I have. I've met Isaac a bunch of times. I had him on my last podcast, Get Up On This. Uh, I was sent one of the very first copies of Gloomhaven. I was in the first batch, the very first printing. I had it before it went on sale. I played the pants off of it. It is amazing. And it is a true labor of love and it's it's terrifying level of intelligence went into this game from one human being and made this giant box that somehow works really well i have only done demo of it i have not even played one game of it shouldn't work full yet one man should not be a one human should not be able to put that much thought and balance and excitement into that much stuff i mean it's it's like it's like getting eight cycles of netrunner at once and somebody just designed it all and it's just like that's crazy. Your brain is crazy. Very much looking forward yeah. to it. It actually is the only story game, really, that's on yeah, our, on well, our it, list. Yeah. So it's very, it's very legacy, technically, but it, 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 it works just fine if, if you just jump in for one session. That's the nice thing about it. It's not really an ongoing story that's all that relevant, unless you like really LARP it. Well, I would say that even even legacy games are story games to a large extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're... you're you're telling a narrative. Yeah, well, I'm saying this out. is less of a legacy game than most because it sure, really sure, does sure. work. Just let's sit down, let's play a game of Gloomhaven. Who cares? Like, just pick up a character. Here you go. Let's have fun. And last but not least, Great Western Trail. Alex Fister. We a great masterpiece, love it. and we are very excited about the new expansion. We have not yet really 
decided how balanced it is or if if it truly does open up new strategies. I don't know if we have time to talk about it today. No, we but don't. I definitely, definitely can tell you that uh, the expansion is problematic, but it's also better. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it, it solved a problem and created a problem <laughs> at the same time. There is, a, on your initial player board, there yeah. is a whole side of it that yeah. you barely use anymore. Yeah. That said... The three strategies of the game, whether yeah. or not you want yeah, to building be sucked before. You couldn't do buildings before. And I would say that... You uh, could do buildings that, a lot now. That engineer, being a, the railroad guy, yeah. was a little underpowered. And yeah. you had to mix those in. Whereas if you wanted to play a cowboy strategy, you could pretty much yeah. go straight cowboy. Bef- before, now... Yeah, exactly. Before you kind of had to do cowboy and then pick something else. Now you don't have to do cowboy, which is nice. I have, with the expansion, I have now one straight builder and I've won a uh, straight engineer yeah. uh, in, in a fashion that I realized, wow, this really does change the yeah. game in a good way. Totally. Well, I, I, that's why we've added it. I want to play it eight more times, but we, uh, we will, we will do a full review on the, on the great Western. Let's Trail get to this week's game. At some point. Let's do it. All right. Uh, the first game we played was Avalon. Got it. Got to get one of those out of the way. Now we only have to play it seven more times, seven more <laughs> horrible experiences for me. All right. Now, Matt, Matt's, Matt's got an issue with this, but part of the issue with it is that he's really not very good at this. I game. disagree. I think Let's I'm. I think I'm, I'm. I think I'm average at this game. For those, I'm not going to say I'm good at it. I think I'm very average. For those of you who don't know Avalon, all right, it is a. It is basically Battlestar Galactica stripped down to its most basic. Yeah, well, people. Assets. People probably know it as Mafia or Werewolf. I mean, it's a very similar. But I mean, yeah. it's a. It's a version of that. It's a party game wherein somebody is bad and somebody's good. We dealt out eight cards. Three of the cards said you're a bad guy. Right. Five of the cards said you're a good guy. Yeah. And then among that, there we play with a particular set of cards every single time because we find that it is uh, the most ad- the the most fun. Yeah. In which case, there's one good guy mm-hmm. who knows who two of the bad guys are. All the bad guys know each other. Right. But only one of the good guys knows who two and that is out of three of the bad guys are. That's the guy who plays Merlin exactly. Then there's another good guy called Percival. And all he knows is who Merlin is. Right. He knows. So one guy knows who knows. One guy knows who two of the bad guys are. Right. Percival's and, job is to pretend to be Merlin, and you will understand why by the next rule. Correct. Uh, which is that if at the end of the game the good guys win, the bad guys can snatch victory from the good guys by guessing who Merlin is. That's it. If the ba- even if the good guys win, the bad guys can always win. If they figure out who Merlin is. So you always at least have a one out of X shot of winning the game, regardless of, of how badly you do. Correct. And which the, is fun, which is it's which uh, the game would be awful without that. The only person who knows anything is the person who is incentivized to make sure nobody figures yeah. out. No. Yeah. If, if Merlin, if Merlin is caught, it doesn't matter if you win. Uh, so. Absolutely wonderful game. This one was a short one. We it, it can go up to five quests long. I'd like and to pretend that I made that happen, but <laughs> hey, I you, think I just got beat. Kind of you did. Well, in a I way, you made yeah. it go short. Uh, basically, uh, the first team to win three quests wins. Yeah. Uh, basically, a uh, the bad guys can make the quests fail. The yeah. good, the good the guys quests cannot. are just you're handed a card that says fail or succeed, and you secretly have to vote one. If you're good, you have to vote succeed. If you're bad, you have a choice. Uh, long story short, uh, none of the bad guys got on the first two teams, and then when the third team was chosen, and yeah. it also had no bad guys on it, 
the, good, the, the bad guys. Which often can happen. You can often have a turn order loss in Avalon, which to me is a little bit of a weakness of the game, although it does speed the game up and make it end quickly. But sometimes the table can be situated in such a way where the bad guys have a pretty bad chance, especially if the worst player on the team is the earliest in the turn order, the most newbie player, which was Jake on our squad. Well, okay. Because he, I, I, he, did not, he did not necessarily choose the right team or make the right arguments or... I kind of agree with that, but really the the turn or the the seating order is mostly an issue if the bad guys are all bunched up. If they're all if yeah. they're if they're in a murder's row, yeah. that's pretty pretty, pretty hard. Yeah, them. it's pretty damning. That was not the case here. No, it wasn't. We were spread out. You were spread out. But yeah, I don't know. We just uh we got trounced and we picked the wrong Merlin at the end. Who'd you pick? Uh we picked Paul. Yeah. And it was it was you. Yeah. It was this guy. Yeah, and you were—you did a good job. You did good. I, you, I don't even think you were really in our discussion points. No, no, I was the least yeah. discussed, which was which you was were. So awesome. at the end of the game, all the good guys put their heads down so they don't give away any any poker style information. And not the bad an, guys not discuss. an official rule, not an no, official rule, just something that. that something that we do. Because, because while you're saying people's names, you could you could try to read their faces and see who's Merlin or not. So we just do like, we go everyone heads down, and then. That yeah. usually is a, that. That's how we concede. So okay, everyone, put your heads down. Bad guys concede. All right, Most, let's figure mostly out because Dimitri is a walking tell machine. He is. He yeah, he a, could not hide it very well. Exactly. Uh, I will point out that uh, just a couple days before that, at my game night, which is on on Friday nights, uh, we had a similarly interesting uh, outcome on Avalon. Yeah. Uh, in which Matt was one of the good guys who did not know who the bad guys were, mm-hmm. and on the final round, who was your four person team? Uh, it was me and three bad guys. How many, I, how I many picked, bad guys were there? There were three. I picked all three <laughs> bad guys. I had two very bad games in a row. Look, I don't enjoy the game. <laughs> and uh, I think I don't enjoy... I, well, we'll get. We'll do a whole Avalon episode at some sure, point. Sure, Trey sure. wants to come on and do a strategy session sure, on sure. it. But but yeah. I uh, Look, I had two bad games in a row. I've had good games too in the past. But Of course you have. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean... You know, when, I'm, when I don't just zone out and stare at my phone, I, I sometimes try. Listen, by, by the rules of coin flipping alone, eventually you're going to have a good Thank game. You. That's, That's really true. nice. After we played Avalon, we split up as we often do because, as you will have noticed, we have eight people in our group. Not a lot of eight-player games. Not a lot of eight-player games anyone wants to play, at least. So we usually split up into groups of four. Some nights we have seven. We split up into a four and a three. And usually... Uh, the teachers are myself and Tom because Tom is the yep. other game master. He's the other one who owns a game night. He's the other one who knows all the rules. Uh, so Tom and I will usually split up. We're, we rarely get to play together because we often have to be the teachers at one of our tables. So Tom and I split up as per usual. I taught New Frontiers by Thomas Lemon, which is his board game version of Race for the Galaxy. Fantastic game. Tom taught the classic uh, area control masterpiece El Grande. Wolfgang Kramer, always fun, great game. It was a we had a, a pretty, uh, pretty meat and potatoes board game selection, I would say, with uh, New Frontiers and El Grande. It's just solid mechanics, nothing too crazy. Well, I had Jake, and being the casual gamer, I wanted to introduce Jake to a classic. Yeah, and that was what I did, and he loved it. He absolutely he came in dead last and loved yeah. every single. If you are a board gamer, you, you, there is a list of games you must play. What if you are interested in this hobby at all? El Grande would there is zero chance El Grande is not on that list. Correct, and very high up on that list. It's it's if you if you've ever played an area control game or a Euro, uh, it owes it's it owes a lot of thanks to El Grande. Yeah, yeah, the classic area control game, 1995, same yeah. year, uh, I think actually just before Settlers of Catan came out. Amazing. Uh, let's talk about the uh, annoyance of the night, which was uh, Dimitri spilled a uh, beverage on my copy of uh, New Frontiers. Now, 
we all have that one person in our group who uh, probably owes you a couple hundred dollars in board game damages. Uh, we often have discussed keeping a, you know, one of those like factory signs of days since last disaster, since last accident. Uh, how many days had it been before Dimitri's last accident, I think? It had been a grand total of 10. It had been 10 days. So we got up to double since, digits at least. And then uh, since we, at my game night, he destroyed some of uh, sidereal confluence. Yeah. So we are back to zero. Uh, Dimitri is the only person who has ever spilled anything on any games, and he does it regularly. And we, Yes, we're not dumb. We are aware of this. We make Dimitri put beverages on the floor. We make Dimitri... This was somebody else's beverage he spilled over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he no, finds no, no. ways around it. I think he's doing it... I think as the as the non-gamer, as his, uh, I think he's attempting to actually slowly destroy our board game. He's corroding it. I feel like we need to buy Dimitri for his birthday or for Hanukkah or mm-hmm. something. I think we need to buy him a laminator and just camp him out at our yeah. at our board game yeah. rooms and just have Fix him laminate them. everything. Fix everything that you've destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. That was our board game night for the week. Uh, let's move on to the news. Oh, by the way, if you're listening, I, I know in Get Up On This, we had a lot of fans who would make me little jingles, little songs. I would love a little 10-second interstitial between yeah. some of these. Would Use one for the news, games on the brain, this week's game night. Hey, if you're listening, that's your jam. Go ahead and send it to Matthew at GameBrainPod.com. Uh, if you're wondering why I'm asking for this, it's because that was the thing that used to happen on my old podcast a lot. We'd get in a lot of fun songs people would make. So we'll see if I can carry on to this one. No big deal. If oh, it we doesn't. also want to encourage your creativity. I mean, if you guys are, are led to that, it's awesome. Yeah. We, we love playing that. Stuff. Not looking for an opening song. Our beautiful opening song was made by our own member, Alfred Darlington, better known in the music industry as Deadless, De- Deadless an incredible, brilliant musician. Uh, we'll talk about more at the end. But yes, he Deadless made our awesome opening song. Uh, let's move on to the news. Uh, this is very cool. So Age of Steam, the Martin Wallace classic. And I laugh when I say Martin Wallace because it was brought <laughs> into question this week. There's a little issue. Uh, yeah. So Age of Steam is a one of the most famous board games. Uh, it is a very heavy Euro brutal train game designed by Martin Wallace, uh, also known for brass. Uh and it went on Kickstarter this week in a beautiful new version done by Ian O'Toole, who's most known for all of his work on uh, EGG's Vital Lacerda games. Gorgeous graphic designer. Gallerist is one of the most beautiful games ever made. That's Ian O'Toole. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So he did a very simple... It's not, it's not fancy. This is not the, the glossed-up version, because I don't think anyone who plays Age of Steam wants a glossed-up version of it. This is just... Here's a new, clean version with very high-quality components. Correct. Clean, elegant... A little, a little bit of an old timey patina yeah. to it. It's beautiful. Yeah, but definitely easier to get new players to play. I think one of the barriers to entry of original Steam is that it looks like a print and play. It looks old, and it's hard to get. I mean, even for me, as somebody who was new into the hobby eight, nine, ten years ago, I remember seeing Age Steam going. I don't want to play that. Can I play something that looks like a fantasy flight game? Like that game is ugly. It like, is. A, it is a difference between you and me. I mean, for me, the the I will I will get rid of the aesthetics in a heartbeat. But would you have been like that? At, at the day one of your hobby, of well, your, of your, you have to remember at day one of uh, yeah, day that's one what of the they hobby for like. me, they they kind of exactly. all they kind of all look like. Well, that. then that's the problem. Yeah, so you're you're more used to that. So as somebody who's new to it, I see what Simon does, I see what FFG does, sure. and I go, well, why can't my euros look good? <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> man. And yeah, eventually you 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 fall so in love with the mechanics of a game or the mechanisms of a game. I know people hate when people say mechanics. Uh, you fall so in love with how games actually work that at some point you go. 
Oh, if the game's really good, I don't care what it looks like. Or at least I did. I will say for me, there's a little bit of I like the I like the handmade imperfections of, of sure. the. Oh yeah, you get into it. I I could say I've gotten into that too. I kind of like I kind of like janky looking games now. I kind of I kind of did. It's kind you know it's like splatter. It's yeah, splatter. it's a little bit like screw you if you if you, oh you oh you need pretty games oh well no, it's a little snobby it's a little like you know I'm better than you look how ugly my game is and I'm loving it like Arkwright Arkwright is oh. one of the ugliest games ever made no offense to the graphic designer you did your job the game works perfectly we made but, this in my Stuttgart uh, yeah. basement <laughs> but that is not a game that uh, is going to get anybody who doesn't love games excited at all in fact it will make them fall asleep well, that's why I want to buy you just a plastic orc that you can put in any other game. <laughs> sure. I'm just going to bring my uh, Kingdom Death Monster <laughs> minis and just pop them right into Age of Steam. Uh, Look, here you go. Here's a beholder in exactly. London. So Age of Steam had a legal issue, which we're not going to get too deeply into, but it was resolved. Basically, uh, one of the co-designers of it, or claims to be co-designers, John Borer, uh, claimed that Martin Wallace had no rights to actually be the main designer and that he was what was was the designer. Martin Wallace sold the rights to Age of Steam to EGG long ago. Apparently, it wasn't done in the most ethical way, or at least that's how some people were saying it, that it was a time when he needed money. And basically, imagine if you sold your masterpiece when you were really needing money and uh, you were given a, a bad price for it, and then it went on to make lots and lots of money. And not only did they not uh, give you what you were due, but they didn't even feel the need to put your name on the box, which then people said he actually demanded his name wasn't on the box. As you can tell, it got messy. It got nasty. If you have a hundred hours to dive yeah, down that whole rabbit hole, you can do it. I will say this to sum it up: uh, neither of these two folks come off looking that good. No, they looked. They both looked a little jerky. Yeah, I can. I think one looks much more jerky than the other, and Matt might disagree <laughs> with that. But we will say this: we will say that uh, I did a little. I spent ten minutes going through my board game collection. I went through two hundred boxes, and I and. Tell me, Matt, how many do you think had no designer name on the box? I would guess zero. Almost zero. Almost, Almost zero. Uh, games uh, designed before 1990. Okay. Um, the Avalon Hills. Right. And- well, it is a law in Germany. In Germany, you legally have to put the designer's name on the cover of the box. That is, a, that is an actual legal law there. It's a big development. Now, legal law is, is not necessary to say both of those words. But that's okay. It's it's a big development. I mean, it, you know, in the in the Parker Brothers Hasbro yeah. era back in the day, who designed Monopoly? I know who designed. No, we're going to save that because okay. that's coming up later. Most that, people that wouldn't know. Most people though, which is crazy. Most people would not know. What what does the designer of Monopoly's first name start with? Like, what's the letter that it starts with? Oh, I have no. I don't, I'm one of those people. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Oh, because, you don't know? No, I don't because his name's not on the box. Oh I imagine God. it's a man. Maybe it's a woman. Oh, we're going we're gonna to have a little talk about All this. Right. This is literally coming up. Great. Anyway, I, I think it's really, really important that uh, the art of game design is is honored. The art of the artists making the game. Yep. Games today hap- happen to have both of those names usually on the box, and it, it's, it's become a point now where I will be more likely to buy a game by Tom Lehman. Yeah. If I see his name on the box, sure. it's like, I oh, yeah, love no. this guy. Most of my board game purchasing decisions are based on designer. Sure. I'd say 75% of that goes, is what goes into my choices. So whatever, so whatever situation was going on with Age of Steam, putting no designer on the box is a huge regressive step. It is a huge step backwards. Totally. It should not happen. It was, I don't think they chose to. I think it was a legal thing. But, but look, they, they have resolved it. Martin Wallace uh, made a great post on BGG saying that his lawyer got involved. He will never say a disparaging thing about EGG again. He encourages people to back Age of Steam. If you're listening, 
listening to this, you already missed it. There might be a late pledge, though, so I would check into it. It's definitely worth picking up if possible. But it will be hitting retail sometime in the fall around Essen, uh, and you can grab it there. But either way, they have made amends. Uh, you, are, you are free to buy any copy of Steam, Age of Steam you want. Martin Wallace will get his fair share and is happy that you're doing it, and as is John Bohr. Uh, next up, we have Root Expansion. Yep, if you loved the game Root, which we like... We like the game route. I don't know if we love it. I'm excited. I definitely backed it. I definitely backed the new expansion on Kickstarter, which is called the Underworld expansion. There are 11 days to go. If this goes up next week, you probably have a couple days left to back it if you want to check it out on Kickstarter. Correct. Uh, in the expansion, you get uh, two new maps. There's a tunneling mountain map, which looks cool, and a lake map, which has a ferry mechanic in it, yep. which sounds really, really interesting. Uh, there'll be two new factions, and if you back it on Kickstarter, uh, you'll also get the Exiles and Partisans deck, a new deck of cards. It's a card-based game, so that's important. Uh, you'll get a Vagabond pack, which will have cute little Vagabond figures that you can use and swap sure, out. Sure, because there's different plates, so now you don't use the same piece of wood for each different right. type of Vagabond. Yeah, Exactly. And clearing markers. Um, one of the things on the main map that is the most difficult to see are which clearing belongs to which faction. Right. And, uh, and it has a new 3D thing that will go on all of those. Um, 50 bucks. 50 bucks is expensive for an expansion. Yeah. But let's look, let's look at it this with way. shipping, yeah. It really is two and a half expansions when you add up all of yeah. that. And, and pe- people love Root. I mean, it, it, right now it's up to uh, a million and one on Kickstarter, which is insane. 1.1 million they have so far in uh, pledges, which is nuts. It's, uh, it's a huge expansion. Cole Worley is the designer of it, who is mostly known for ridiculously heavy games like John Company and Pax Pamir, which I'm very excited for the second edition coming out. Uh, this, I'm glad he's having huge success with this. Look, I, I like the game a lot. We will do a full review on it at some point. I'm I'm very let's just say this I'm very excited to try the balance changes that are apparently right now I could download them and put stickers on my things and change them. Sure. Um, I, I I would hate not not that I'm looking for an asymmetrical game to be balanced, but I still felt it was one or two levels too unbalanced to make it worth the time. I agree. Listen, the, the hardest challenge in board game design probably is asymmetrical power. Yeah, look at... I mean, no LCG has ever cracked it, and that, that is their main fault. Right. Yeah, well, because LCG players and the way LCGs go, yeah, they're, they're, they're designed for people to min-max yep. and to just pound on... And so is Root. Root is designed to be min-maxed. I mean, it's not, it's not a LARPed game. This, it's a is, a, it's a this is a medium-to-heavy war game. Yes, yeah. it's exactly, it's exactly and if, right. And you need to be playing to win. And if, if one group can play to win a little easier... It's just, and you know, this is not that much, it's not as fun as it could be. So, the problem is, though, is that we're adding two new asymmetric powers to yeah. a game that already has four uh, yeah. or six asymmetric But he's powers. also had a huge amount of feedback at this point sure. and a huge amount of time. So, uh, and he is a brilliant designer. So, I, 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 I would put my trust in him that, that if, if, if there are some tweaks, he will make them that are necessary. But I imagine by the time it comes out, it should be pretty ironed out. Uh, that's root expansion. It is uh, available there. I just want to quickly say Res Arcana came out this week. I'm always going to mention sort of the fun game that came out this week. Uh, that is a Tom Lehman game. He directed, directed. <laughs> that's how I see it. Uh, he produced, uh, and designed, uh, uh, Race for the Galaxy and New Frontiers, we discussed in 1846, which is a crazy leap from these other games. Res Arcana is a very fast 30 minute, uh, sort of knife fight in a phone booth kind of game. It, it, people say it plays slightly familiar to Race for the Galaxy in the terms of you go, I go, you go, I go, and we're building an engine. This is definitely an engine building game. Mm-hmm. Uh, each time you're going to have a very different tableau to be working with to try to find the right engine. If you like Terraforming Mars, if you like Race for Galaxy, if you like that, okay, 
how do I make lemonade out of these lemons? How do I, how do I suck the most amount of points as quickly as possible out of these cards that necessarily don't uh, work together, but I'm going to make them work together? And how do I do it but faster than my opponents? I think you're going to like Res Arcana. I have it sitting on me, sitting on my table right next to me right now. I'm going to try to force Tom to play it at the end of this podcast. The uh, the prolific game reviewer and game explainer, Rado, or yep. R- Richard Hamm, uh, gave it an absolute rave. Yeah. The only downside was that he says there is some take that, which he doesn't like, but everybody knows that Rado doesn't like take that. I have no problem with take that. Do you think that American Rado is more of a pushover for games than Maltese Rado? Do <laughs> a... <laughs> does, he, does he enjoy different games when he's on American soil? Does he get a little more aggressive? It seems that way. Potentially. Uh, all right. and uh, Biggest news of the week. Biggest news of the week. Dune reprint. I mean, come on, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those unfamiliar, the original Dune uh, came out around 1980, 78, something like that. Yeah. The dudes who made Cosmic Encounter took the Cosmic Encounter idea, which is exactly what we said about Root. It is asymmetric powers, and they made something absolutely amazing. Yeah, Dune's it, a 10. Dune's it, a 10. Yeah. It is a game that plays like the source material you feel yeah. as though you and fantasy are flights uh, re-implementation of it uh what's it rex rex right no no they didn't get it they didn't get it right it's just it's too different and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't grab it i don't think there has ever been a board for a game that has more damaged my eyes yeah then well, sure. Yeah, there's a. It is a busy ass board. Uh, but yeah, so Dune. We don't know much about it. We know Gale Force Nine is producing it. We have no idea when it's coming out. I would imagine it was not going to come before Essen. I would be very surprised if we see this at Gen Con. Let's uh, talk about Gale Force Nine for a second. Sure. Um, I, if I was picking a company to reprint, that wouldn't this, be in my top fifty. They would not. They would not. Um, <laughs> no they, offense to them, but no. they just don't have the greatest back, uh, the greatest resume for this particular game. Correct. They don't. They don't. Uh, they have uh, scheduling difficulties in terms of releasing games and releasing yeah. uh, expansions. And the games that they've released, um, Firefly is one of them. Star Trek yeah. Ascension yeah. is a, is another one of them. Um, they did a Sons of Anarchy game. They did yeah, a, people like that game. I've actually heard good things about it. I haven't tried it. I, I've played two or three of them. Yeah, and I haven't loved any of them, but I haven't hated any of them either. Sure, no. But the point, the, the point, that's kind of beside the point because if you bought the Dune license, you're going to make Dune. You're probably not going to make huge changes to the game. Really, what we want is we want better art. We want the yeah. game to look like absolutely Dune. beautiful. If and we've got a movie that started production a few days ago, with, which is like. You could not, if you were to imagine a, yeah. your dream cast for the, for this movie, this is about as good as it's ever going to get. Well, sure, and forget the cast. I mean, the director uh, is oh. hands down the oh. best director possibly working today, which is... I would say that. I would argue uh, that. Denis Villeneuve. I'm hoping I did my best with that. It is okay. It is not uh, bad. But yeah, I don't think you could be doing much better with, with how that's shaping up. No, I brought some. I'm going to just show Yes, I'm my, looking some, at some No, pictures. I played your copy of Dune before. Oh, this is the original uh, Tom's got, Avalon Hill version. Yeah. The guild You could probably character. get 150, 200 bucks for that on eBay, I'd imagine. Uh, not bad. Not bad, actually. I, I actually won this copy. Yeah, no, I know. It's a, a pristine copy. Yeah, in a in a game of Dune at a tournament run That's by awesome. M- Matt Coville. If anybody knows uh, Matt Coville, he runs a wildly popular D and D channel. Right. Uh, and he gave me that, and then I won another year, and he gave me a copy. He actually was the uh, writer of the Dune RPG, which is extraordinarily rare. There's yeah. a copy of the book that I have signed by him that went for $15,000 on wow. eBay. Okay. Crazy. Crazy. So what you're saying is you have two copies of Dune. 
Uh, no, uh, the Dune RPG. Oh no, I mean, I mean of of this. No, I have one. Oh, you, this is one your, copy you, oh, you only. I thought you had. Yeah, yeah, you one, one and had one. Okay. No, but the the art on this is just is uh, it leaves a lot. The, yeah, my the, dream is that they literally change nothing about the game, but just give me, you know, FFG Star Wars level art for Dune. Totally agree. Yeah, I just want to see still suits and Fremen, and I want to see you know uh, the time travel. The, the, I want to see the guild. I want to see all. I just want to. I just want it to have that amazing art. I'm in. Yeah, hundred percent. Do not skimp on the art, please, Gale Force Nine. Uh, lastly, I just want to give two shout outs to two of my favorite board game. Um, uh, video people who do reviews. The first is Drive Through Games. The second is No Pun Included. They both have Kickstarters going right now. No Pun Included uh, are incredible and hilarious and funny. Drive Through Games is Joel Eddy, who does. He's he's basically one of my most trusted reviewers when I'm looking for games. They both are on Kickstarter right now. Uh, just asking for support. Um, give them a dollar, five dollars, fifteen dollars. They're going to send you some cool swag, some cool exclusives for your games. I'm going to talk about Efka and Elaine. They're the ones who who do. We um, hung out with them no at Essen. Included. We hung out with them at Essen. Could not be. Could not be. They are exactly what you see when you do when you watch yeah. their videos. They are funny. They they approach these videos as entertainment as well as instruction. Yeah. And I'll also say, for two years now, they've been picking their game of the year, and they have not gone the easy route well you know what i will say about both of these people joel eddie drive through games sure. and and open included they both give negative reviews yes yes and and i'm not saying that other people uh, need to give more but i i it i i will trust you more if you're giving negative reviews and positive reviews then rado love him he's very enthusiastic about it a little harder for me often to decide whether or not i'm going to like a game because he likes so many games now I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't. I, I think he genuinely does feel that passionate about uh, that many games. And I, let's say let's say about Rado as well. One of the best game explainers out there. He does a really brilliant. great job. Of yeah, that. yeah. But yeah, I I really love people who have some sure. some criticisms strong about opinions. games. Yeah, strong opinions and are willing to share them. Yeah, exactly. Both of these people do that really well. They are both asking for some support on Kickstarter. No pun included. Season two. Google that with Kickstarter and Drive Through Games 2019 upgrade. Check that out on Kickstarter as well. Two people very much worth worthy of your support. And uh, they're going to make sure you get some cool free stuff out of it too. Well, free, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, all right. That is board game news. It is time to move on to games on the brain. This is where we'd have a little jingle. Games on the brain. Did a bit of And welcome. Please, please don't do that. No, I'm just going to actually use that in all of them until people send me songs. I'm going to take <laughs> that, cut it, and you're going to hear it on the next segment as well. So you're taking hostages. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> games on the brain. So, uh, Tom and I both are often uh, find ourselves obsessed with new things every week in the board game world. For me, for the last month, maybe two months, I have gone down the 18xx rabbit hole in a very big way. Um, I, I, I own 1830 and 1846. If you don't know what 18xx is, 18xx is, uh, that is the section of your convention that uh, you do not go into. <laughs> it is old grognards they don't want you there they glare at you if you come too close their games look like they were made at kinko's and they have a lot of poker chips and they're there for 14 hours playing the same game the euro side of the room yeah. will have people holding up signs saying players wanted yeah the the train game section yeah of we'll the have room. barbed wire around their table <laughs> well, exactly <laughs> you will come up to the room and say "Ooh, what's this and they will just look at you like yeah nope no keep, keep, keep walking, walking. Keep. king of tokyo's down the road buddy that's Kick right rocks uh yeah so uh 18xx games i think the easiest way to explain them are 
economic war games. These are long. We're talking minimum four to six hours. Minimum. That's for the fast 18xx. Most 18xx games, which is why you see them at conventions often, are day long. We're talking eight to 12 hour games. You take I would breaks. Say the, the more popular ones do play at around four hours. Well, once you're, once you're, once, once you have some experience. Sure, for course, new, even a new player playing 1830, you're looking at a minimum of six hours, I think. Uh, unless, well, that's also somebody could go bankrupt and end the game pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, Francis but, Tresham, we should say. Yeah, Francis uh, Tresham, who designed the game in the, in the 1950s. Uh, the first designed 1829, which is the first of it. And then 1830 is still considered sort of the gold standard, the basis of which, if you're going to play an 18xA, you go, your question is, how is this version different from 1830? And then that's all the rules you need to know, usually. Correct. Um, and over the years, as there's been more and more, they've broken down into basically two kinds of games. There are the 18xX games that are more operations-based. Right. Building train lines. Right, which... In, in which the game uh, focuses on and rewards building great routes and running right. great trains. Right. And then there sort is... Sort of an area control optimization game. Yeah, very yeah. much so. And then there are the games that are more stock market manipulation. Right. So games. that's the that, that's the huge sort of thing that is 18xs are known for is that you 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 actually don't you are not playing as a train company. You are playing as a person buying stock in a train company. If you buy enough stock, you are the president and you decide what happens to it. But guess what? Someone else could buy more stock than you, and now they're the president, and now you have no control over that company anymore. And that is, you could also, and here's where the game gets interesting, sell all of your stock and dump the company on whoever has the most stock. The second now most that stock. You, the second most stock. And you may have just stuck them with a losing company. Good luck, buddy. That's 18xx. Yes, yes. Which is why I have uh, uh, recommended that we start with 1846, uh, well, which done, is much more of an, an operations-based game. The more research I've done, I'm not totally sure. They're, they both have pluses and minuses in what makes them more beginner-friendly. 1846 actually has, I think... A, a larger tile set and a bit more complicated in terms of decision-making in the tile area. It is correct. 1830 is, correct. is a little more brutal in the stock market. But I, th I think, honestly, after, after really ingesting both of them and sure. learning the rules of both, I think 1830 is easier to teach than 1846. I think 1846 might be more forgiving to play, but I actually think it's a harder teach. Well, you haven't... You haven't played either of them. No, okay. Oh, God, no. I have played 1830. <laughs> yeah. I've played 1830 twice. I have not played 1846 yet, but I can tell you, having played 1830 twice, and it's been years, but yeah. I, I will tell you, there are trap companies. There are, oh, yeah, yeah, there no, no, are, no. There are companies That's in That's part of the teach, though. Don't oh, buy these two for a couple hours. God. Oh, yeah. No, is. you could buy them and just be out of the game if you, yeah. But you have to, you quick, I mean, yes. 18, I agree. 1846 is not that way. 1846, no. you can start All companies any are viable. Company and, have, and you actually play with less companies if there are less people as well. Precisely right. Precisely um, right. So, anyway, I've gotten super into it. I have definitely uh, started pimping out the games as I want to do because. <laughs> Uh, that's me. Uh, Rails on Boards is a great blog. They make uh, wooden tokens to replace the cardboard tokens. I'm waiting for those to be shipped to me from, uh, I think it's Poland. Uh, I have tile organizers. People have found that uh, jewelry compartments, the things that you find you know, in, in jewelry stores where they store all the things in these little black velvet trays, those are best for storing your tiles. I just Look, it's a rabbit hole, guys. I want to be 100% clear on this. Go uh, ahead. How many times have you played an 18xx game? None, but I have watched way too much on YouTube okay. and read way too many. This is what I do. I get very obsessed and into a certain thing, 
And then when I feel fully comfortable with it, I'll bring it to the table. If we would like to be part of the Matthew Robinson intervention, <laughs> uh, too just late. email us at the Way pod. Too e- late. Email us here at the pod. We need to help Way too him. Late. Anyway, my goal is for us to get 1846 or 1830 to the table in the next two weeks, and I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to say pipeline. Pipeline is one of the things I have on my brain big time. It yeah. is a... When are we getting it? I've been trying to look around for it. It is... It, it I is, think May? That's what it's looking like? They said April, which... which everyone knows means may or june so tell people why they should be excited about pipeline um look all i all i know about capstone it games right is that capstone games is producing it and they make meaty games they, they make they are i see splatter and capstone make the heaviest games correct the heaviest great games let's put it that way but sure. they're 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 absolutely amazing their track record is pretty great um an older title of those called lignum um we've yeah. been playing we've been playing here. it a lot lately it is it is crazy. It is this the most miserly game you've yeah, ever played. I haven't played it yet, but I'm really excited to. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Pipeline is an upcoming meaty economic engine building game. Tile laying, too, which is you don't often get with heavy meaty games. It t- is. Like Carcassonne. It, it, these tiles look absolutely bonkers. That You are setting different colored pipelines going in different directions. Yeah. And depending on the way those tiles lay out will determine the economic success or failure of your current ventures. Uh, but there are many mechanisms in the game whereby you are going to be able to switch tracks and, yeah. start, and, and start investing in this or change this up. And uh, it looks... It was on Kickstarter. Uh, you and I late-backed it. Yeah. Uh, we late-pledged for it. I think late-pledging is closed right now, but I think if you you could probably pre-order it through Capstone and look to it. It's worth looking at. The reason I actually got excited about it was Shut Up and Sit Down and talked about it on their podcast. And I was like, well, this is a pretty heavy game for them to be talking about. And this sounds amazing. And I looked it up and I, I sent it to you and I was like, oh, we're all over this. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and they loved it. They loved yeah. it. And, they, and, you know, they're not... Um, they sometimes have have an issue with the heavier end games, and they said this one. No, yeah, that, that's one thing. If, if Shut Up and Sit Down likes the heavy game, I know I'm going to like it because it must be quite fun. Totally agree. And and last but not least, I'll say that uh, there is a Food Chain Magnet expansion uh, coming out. It's an R eight by eight. Oh, it's an R eight by eight challenge. Can't go, can't go. And part of the reason I think Food Chain deserves to be in R eight by eight is because we're going to be getting the expansion. Probably not to lessen, but I don't think we'll be finished with our APA by then. They've said Gen Con. Oh, really? They have said Gen Con. Okay, so well, we will see. Well, I have pre-ordered. Uh, good. Yeah. I think that, that's awesome. I, I locked down a copy. I have not pre-ordered thinking I'm just going to pick it up at Gen Con, and now I found out that I'm not going to Gen Con. I think you might time want to find a way to years. pre-order because I think this might be a print run that is gone very quickly. Oh, unlike all the other splat- splatter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And then uh, I actually bought Food Chain Magnet just at a store when it first came out, and it wasn't too difficult to find because nobody knew about it. But now it is a huge hit, and I think the I think the expansion is going to be uh, fetching high prices pretty as, quick. As you well know, I have uh, virtually every splatter game yeah, that has been uh, that has been made. I don't. I think Bus is the only one that I, that I don't right, right, have. Right. But uh, yeah, they're they're absolutely amazing. Uh, there is on tour. Yep. is one other thing that I'm kind of interested in. Okay. Um, I don't like roll and write games. I'm yeah. going to say that. I, I did not like Ganshon Clever very much. I like it. I like Ganshon Clever. I like Welcome too, but I don't love them. It They feel like uh, word jumbles. They feel like something you, yeah. you well, do that, that, I to... think Ganshon Clever works best on my phone. And yeah. I, I like it as a quick little phone game I play. Yeah, it's a fi- it's a time filler as opposed to a filler. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of that's kind of the way I, yeah, I, yeah, I look yeah. at it. You know, and and listen, I've had uh, right and roll and write fanatics that have told me how wrong I am. I, I call them Yahtzee Nazis. <laughs> uh, but 
uh, this one on tour looks like one that I, I look at and I'm like, I think I might like this. It's You are a band that is planning a tour of the United States. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, you yeah, roll yeah. two ten-sided dice. Great theme. And whatever two, if, if it's two and six, that means that you're going to have to put 62 on one state mm-hmm. and 26 on another state. Okay. And you have cards that tell you which region you have to place. And they even have a state. And if you put that number in that particular state, it's worth double points. Sure. Uh, so there's a great spatial puzzle in that, in, yeah. that, in that you're going to eventually uh, make your tour, your tour van uh, connect to go from low to high and see yeah. how many states and how many points you can pick up. It actually, I got to say, it looks, it looks like All the right. roll and write that. When's I that coming out? Um, Good question. I do not have the information on that. There's Probably Gen Con. There's a possibility it's already out. Okay. Well, we'll have to check it out. Not entirely sure. That is what is that is games on the brain. It is time to get to the meat of our potatoes, if you will. The review. The, the, the sliced meat in between our bread. Uh, this is the game review. This week, we are going to talk about Wingspan. First of all, why are we talking about Wingspan? Well, because it is uh, a wildly popular game at the moment, and I wanted our first episode to be something. Uh, our first review uh, probably shouldn't be Arkwright or 1846 or something <laughs> that scares everybody off. And we wanted to talk about a game that is in the limelight right now, a very popular game, and we wanted to give you a, 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 an experienced gamer's perspective yeah. on Wingspan. The first review. Nobody has reviewed this game. No, it is a highly reviewed game, uh, but it is also a game that is very hard to get at the moment. Uh, the first print run sold out instantly. Uh, when I first saw it released, um, I, I like Jamie Stegmaier light. I also, also had Jamie on my uh, podcast before. Um, he owns Stegmaier games, which you will know mostly for two great games, Viticulture and, uh, Scythe. Yep. Um, Viticulture is a game we play often in our game group. It is a game that definitely gets the table. It's a great six-player game. It, it scratches that itch of six. Yeah. Uh, Scythe is not a game that gets often to our table. A few, of, a few of our gamers don't like it. I actually do. I think I like it more than most, but I, I do agree that it is uh, it's a little on the long side for what it is, and it becomes a little bit of a king-making situation. You, you got your money out of it, though. We, oh, played, yeah. we, we played, played a lot. lot of it. And we played some more. I have not picked up the last two expansions because I don't... I did After doing some research, I did not feel they added much for me. One is a legacy campaign thing. That'll never come to our table. And the other just adds more ways of moving things around. Um, maybe interested in that because you do feel like you end up uh, getting sort of locked into your section and sort of just fighting the person sitting next to you. Uh, but anyway, Stegmaier Games makes beautiful, wonderful games. And Wingspan, other than Viticulture, is probably my favorite thing they've done. So it's in the New York Times this week. And an article was written about the designer uh elizabeth hargrave elizabeth hargrave it is her first game uh and it is quite a debut i out this is a wonderful article by the way if you just want to see an article that gets into the intricacies of game design yeah get (laughs) google new york times wingspan an incredible article went up just last week march 11th actually well so two weeks ago by the time you hear this um great article great designer i mean this 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 kind of response that Wingspan is getting right now reminds me a lot of Gloomhaven in the sense that this designer comes out of nowhere, makes a huge splash. The game is impossible to find, fetching mm-hmm. ridiculous prices. People were offering, people were putting Wingspan on eBay for a thousand dollars. This is a thirty nine ninety nine dollar board game. People were putting it up for a thousand dollars on eBay. I don't know if it's sold, but I see they're selling for two, three hundred constantly right now. Crazy how quickly uh, Jamie went through his first stock, and people want it badly. Um, Let's say three things about uh, about games. There, there are games that 
uh, are have great art and yeah. and great look to them. There are games that have amazing themes that you don't normally see games have, and then there are games that have awesome mechanics yeah. and are designed really well. I have to say, I think that even though uh, Wingspan isn't isn't at the center bullseye of what I love in games, it kind of hit all three. It yeah. really is one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. So let me just give you the quick stats. It is a one-to-five player uh, engine-building game, a tableau-building game that is card-driven. So much like Terraforming Mars, which people have, uh, Terraforming Mars, which people have uh, compared this to a bit, you have a giant deck of i believe it's 131 cards and much like in terraforming Mars, there is no duplicate cards in the deck you have 131 unique cards you are dealt a hand of 10 cards from that i think you go down to seven those are your seven cards outside of that you have a tableau of three cards for sale at any time and you have uh, in front of you a player board with three rows on it uh, i think grasslands marsh and forest and you are playing cards certain cards in your, it can only go into certain places each card is a different bird with a beautiful piece of art of a different unique bird with some cool little facts about them audubon style drawing yeah gorgeous and the birds can only go into certain habitats and then from there you are trying to uh get points for having very valuable birds for having birds that meet the different round end conditions so some rounds reward birds with eggs on them some round rounds re- uh, reward birds in certain habitats and so you're sort of jockeying for position to see who has the most in those scoring each round sort of uh, uh what's the other game that does that where uh terraforming mars or gaia project style where Correct. you have different round conditions that are going to score points on and, and the birds often give a little ability so right. when you choose to do a marsh action you get to do this one thing that all uh, every time you choose a marsh action you get to do but for every bird that you already have that you've already basically taking pictures of essentially yeah. this is ornithology right right uh in that area you also get to do this and this and this so yeah. there is a little well, bit of an engine build to it and yeah so that's a, that's the fun engine building aspect is that instead of playing a bird into a habitat you could activate that entire habitat and do every bird's power in a row which is a, a similar uh, mechanic to pax renaissance has where you're uh you know doing all your east tableau or all your west tableau sure uh so and there's a very fun sort of, you know, as the game ramps up, people, their turns get a bit longer because, well, now I'm going to activate my whole row, which then moves this, which then does this. And you get these awesome combos building. But this is one of my favorite things board, game, board games do, which is I'm given a hand of things that don't necessarily work together. I need to make lemonade out of lemons and I need to do it better than anybody else at the table. And I, that is, to me, I think I'm realizing one of the things that pulls me into a game the most. Now, who is this game for is the real question. Is this game, which I think we are both agreeing is fantastic and yeah. worth checking out for any board gamer, is this the right game for our group? No, I, I, I don't think in general that it is. I'm really glad that you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's the kind of game that I would love to borrow and I would love to take back. Well, you could just buy a copy on eBay for about 800 bucks right now if you want to. Or I could borrow it from you. <laughs> or, do, or you just wait till Dimitri spills something on it, and then I'll just give it to you. Then you just give it away. Exactly. Yeah. That's how we do it. Then I um, only get $300 on eBay for it. No, look. Um, there is a need for gateway games. Uh, yeah. We have we have in we have this a, is a crunchy gateway too. I mean, in terms of gateways, this is this is a heavy game gateway. It's pretty easy to understand. It though. is I, uh, the teaches ten minutes. Yes, but but you got to keep in mind most people who are gateway gamers have never played 
with a hand of individual unique cards, which can feel a little overwhelming. Here's seven, each card, what do you mean? This whole deck that's, you know, six inches high. But they're pretty. And look, I have have a sapsucker. And and the sapsucker does this. And the card that I started off with says that I'm looking for birds with the longest wingspan. And look, here's the wingspan of this bird. And it's really long. So I'm going to play this one. I would not recommend this game for people who have only played uh, cards Against Humanity. I would not bring this home for Christmas to teach your parents, most likely. But this is a great game for people who like Southern Catan or looking for that next step up. This this might become my go-to next step up game, where usually it was Castles of Burgundy was always my, oh, do you like Catan? You've played maybe Ticket to Ride. Go get Castles of Burgundy. Well, that's, that's your a, next that's step. A, that's a pretty big jump for me. But I, I would say that uh, for me, the the gateway games that I bring out rather than Settlers are games like Splendor. Sure, uh, Azul. Games like yeah. uh, Azul. Um, yeah. I would say Castles of Mad King Ludwig is another sure. another great gateway game because it's it's tactile. It's, it's interesting Tetris, yeah. to look at, and yeah. and you get it. It's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just an auction. Yeah. and boom, patchwork right is also it. a great two uh, you know quick for two player two player game. Yeah, absolutely. I would say also let's let's point out the theme. I have never seen this theme. Oh, it's beautiful. It and is. We love an original theme. And, and I'm telling you, I mean, just go Google Wingspan. Look at the pictures right now. Like that little wooden, it looks wooden. It's actually cardboard bird feeder. That's a dice roller. The most useless component of all time. But I wouldn't want the game without it. It, ha- it serves no purpose. It's just a dice tower. But it is awesome. I'm really interested to see, because you and I have not played this together. Yeah. I'm interested to see where you're going to put your plastic cork in this game. I, have no <laughs> I don't need to because idea. I just have so many beautiful wooden eggs, which uh, honestly, I have a child. I have a young child at home. And the minute I saw those eggs, I was like, oh, I can't even bring this game home oh, no. because they look like candy. Oh, they, and they, they are. They, they look dangerous. <laughs> pastel. Yeah. Tiny little Keep pastel those eggs. away from anybody who doesn't know that this is a game component because literally I would eat them. Elizabeth Hardgrave is supposedly working on a uh, an expansion for this game. I'm super excited oh, I'm for in. it. I'm in day one. I hope. That I love this game. She will use the different colors of the eggs. They are they're, the, yes, the eggs are pastels, exactly. and they have all these different colors. There's no and there, there's no reason for them. I, I totally. We, the first thing I said was like you know, when we looked at, it, we we're like, well, they're definitely going to do something with the colors at one point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I listen. I love my number one game. I, I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. is Demacher, which is a game of the parla- German parliamentary election system. Yes. Other favorite games of mine are games like Container, where you're managing a fleet of container ships and things like that. I love games with themes that put me into a different world that I've never experienced before, and and do those things. I don't need to play Blue Moon City again. I don't need. Sure. I don't need another dungeon crawl or or that sort of stuff. And that's me. Listen, a lot of people absolutely love that. I am not. I, I'm not raining on your parade. I'm just saying that for me, I love different themes that put me in different worlds and different situations. Yeah. This game is amazing for that. Think of who are who, who are birders, who are people that are into this kind of thing. Yep. Uh, there's there's an older crowd that has never played a Euro before that would probably be willing to try this and be the, into this. And this is a great game to draw. Yeah, exactly. To draw in people who don't necessarily like games or who think that modern board games are either trading wheat for sheep or killing orcs and elves and things like that this is uh, a game that will pull in somebody who might think games aren't intellectual enough for them or interesting enough or sophisticated sophisticated enough Mm -hmm. is the correct word yes uh i think this i mean you if this is on a table and you walk by and the last game you played was monopoly you're gonna stop and you're gonna go what has been going on in board games because 
oh my god, that's amazing. It has a birdhouse dice roller. I know. I was there talking about it. There are a grand yeah. total of five dice in the game. Yeah. There is no purpose. There's no reason. You can no just so easily reason. roll them on the table. The most gorgeous. <laughs> but I've never rolled them on the table. No, it's and the I never most will. gorgeous dice I roller I've will. ever seen. Yeah, it's it beautiful. Is, it is twee, and it, it belongs yeah. to a Wes Anderson film. This entire, <laughs> this entire box <laughs> it belongs. Totally. Uh, I will also say that uh, I am really, really happy that uh, Elizabeth Hardgrave knocked it out of the park with her first design. Yeah. Uh, if we're talking about expanding the hobby, and that's kind of what we're talking about, yep. about gateway games and getting more people into it. We need more female designers. There are amazing women designers. Uh, Darius Mathouse, uh, Primordial Soup, one of the early Euros that's absolutely amazing about mm-hmm. evolution. Uh, Sophia Susan- Wagner, who made Noria, and she has a new game coming out as well. I met her at Essen two years ago. Lovely. Very, very smart, interesting designer doing cool stuff. I, I didn't love Noria, but I love it. I didn't the love it either, but I love the hype. Exactly. I looked at it and I go, oh, her next game is going to be awesome. I totally agree. Uh, Susan McKinley Ross, Quirkle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claudia Helly, which is a, uh, a, a the winner of the, the Kinderspiel, I believe, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It's an, it's an amazing game. Claudia Healy dev- designed a game that is probably in my top twenty. Santiago, a, a brutal, brutal uh, bidding game. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say my friend, but actually our friend mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Slickburn. Yes. Uh, she was one of the designers, the queen of, of civilization, of advanced civilization, exactly, exactly like that. <laughs> and Elizabeth Maggie, do you know that name? No. Hmm. Elizabeth Maggie uh, was the is the most successful uh, game designer of the 20th century. What games of hers do I own? She designed a game. I don't know if you own this game, but I would say that more people in the United States own her game than anybody else. She owned Monopoly? She designed Monopoly? She designed a game called The Landlord Game, which oh, a guy which then, named yeah. Charles Darrow stole, from stole yeah, yeah. and turned into Monopoly. And right. I will say this. The Landlord Game was designed to show how uh, the capitalist system <laughs> sure. crushes no, yeah, I, I, and, and bankrupts people. Yeah, it was meant to be a, a cautionary tale of capitalism. Which I believe Monopoly still and, is. Still well, is, I think, I think it has become a, a, a training ground for capitalism instead now. It, it, it has. It a has. fight club. I, I feel like I would have liked her game better. Sure. I'm sure so, you can buy one for $100,000 on eBay. Which I guess is just a way of saying that um, women designers have done amazing things for the hobby. I want to see more and, and more. And she apparently, more of the stuff they turn out. Isaac, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Jamie Stegmeyer put a, a blog post up just, I think it was yesterday, talking about how uh, she just approached him at a, a convention and made an appointment to sit down and show. That's, so at game conventions, yep. if you're a designer, you can make an appointment with publishers and sit down and show them your game. She was a, a, a Trey will a, be Trey will be your 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 guest host next week. Yeah, he's done that a lot. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. But she just made an appointment with Jamie Stegmeyer and sat down, demoed his game, and now it's probably going to be their biggest selling game. I think it will. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's amazing, absolutely incredible. So, look, this is the rare occasion where I'm giving a very positive review to a game while also saying we will probably never play it in our game group, maybe once or twice. But I don't think it's going to be. I think this is a game I will play a lot with. Uh, people that are not in my game group i do think i will get a lot of use out of this i in fact would like to get to the table i just think most people in our group would just go well if we're going to spend an hour doing something let's do something yeah, it, a, little, a little heavier i think we could play it occasionally as a filler but i do think that it is a game that i want to bring home i want to when my wife's friends come yeah. over no, i'm and excited like oh, let's play a game totally perfect, perfect i'm excited game. to play with rachel i think rachel my that's my wife i think i think rachel would actually really enjoy it yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, actually, she, I, I, I was, I set it up when I first got it, and I played a solo version of it. By the way, the solo version is fun. It's not. It's, it's actually a totally worthwhile solo game. It's the uh, Stegmeier has this 
little company that they work with that I think they almost invent, they, they they started for Scythe. It's called uh, Automa or Automa, but it's a company that just makes solo games. That's their that's all they do is they take you send them your game and they figure out how to make a solo version of it and, and package it in. And the one with Wingspan is is actually really fun. I had it set up on my table and Rachel walked by and she actually she sees me do this a lot with games and she walks right by them. She stopped for this one and was like, "What's going on with this game?" <laughs> and she was drawn in and she was you know I was like, "I'll teach it to you." She's like, "Okay, I play this one." My wife would never ever say that. <laughs> she wouldn't even. She she'd just flip the table over. She would know. Do something with your time. She would. She'd walk by. She'd look at it. She'd want to say that. Yeah. But she would know. She, it would I, give you too much if satisfaction I, if I say that. We'll be. It'll be. It'll be three hours later. <laughs> I will have a headache. Yeah, exactly. She and, knows better. And for a month, he'll be talking about. Yeah. Hey, remember so, you asked uh, about that game? You, uh, you love that game, right? It's your favorite game of all time. Right? I want to show you this game. <laughs> yeah, you'd be in trouble. It's bad. Uh, so that is our review of uh, Wingspan. Get it when you can get. Yeah, it. it's don't uh, spend a thousand dollars on it. No, but, no, no. But wait till it comes out. Means go to your local. Well, call game your store. call your local friendly local game store, your FLGS, and uh, apparently it is coming to shelves in May yep. and a reprint in June or July for if you want to pre-order from the online retailers. But call your local friendly game store, reserve a copy now, and uh, you might be able to get it as soon as May. Uh, all right, th- now we're going to move into our group member-specific segment. Remember, this is the one part of the show every week that is going to have a different theme, a different uh, vibe. It's going to be about something totally different. This week is Tom's specific segment. Now, Tom's is going to be a little different than everybody else's because Tom's is going to be different every time because he is the game master, the jack-of-all-trades. He uh, can handle a lot of different concepts and themes to talk about. Take it away, Tom. All right, uh Topic of the segment is the Island of Misfit Games. Okay, so uh, I'm one of those people that was a hardcore gamer before 1995. And 1995 is that uh, line you draw in the sand. That's the defining year when Euro games became a thing. Uh, Settlers of Catan was published. El Grande, Carabande, Medici, High Society. And every year after 95, there was a steady stream of absolutely amazing games coming out from European designers. And then quickly, American designers, the Ameritrash games, as we call that, John. I hate that title, by the yeah. way, because I, I like... I also don't like Ameritreasure. <laughs> I just think... I don't like either of them. <laughs> I don't like either of them. Uh, American designed, uh, American style games, we can call yeah. them. Okay. Uh, they also began to uh, to change a, a little bit in regard to this sort of stuff. Um, people started standing on the shoulders of giants and taking things that they liked about this or about that, improving on them, finding a new mechanic, adding that, and yeah. making games that were just absolutely amazing. Um, but for decades before that, or at least a decade before that, I was playing board games with, with my board game group, mm-hmm. and we were, we were finding things to play. You're playing like Wiz sort of War, Dune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Betrayal, like... Uh, I, I don't know what else you could be playing back then. Oh my goodness! Well, I'm going to go over. Some, I'm going to go over some okay. lists. I'm going to go over some lists. We're gonna so go you're going to be talking about the games that time forgot. The land, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm going to be talking about. The Island of Misfit Games. We're going to get into it, and we're going to see what games still hold up. What games are you know have kind of great uh, topic. Great, I love this. So games that people should still check out that were made before 1995, which was the beginning of the modern board game boom. Your top 10 games on Board Game Geek. Yeah. What do you think the oldest game on your personal top 10 is? <sighs> I, don't, I don't even think it would be in the 90s. No. Yeah. It is not. I think it would be in the 2000s, yeah. It is not. It may be Skulls and Roses. 
Uh, that may be your okay. That may Interesting. be your, 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 your oldest. I'm not sure. Uh, it's definitely Skulls and Roses is your lowest ranked game mm. that's in your top ten. Mm-hmm. The lowest, uh, my top ten games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I haven't updated that in forever, by the way. So that's not totally. No, no, no. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, yeah, sla- yeah, yeah. I'm not slamming you. Trust me, I'm going to slam you in this segment, <laughs> but it's not yet. Sure. Uh, no, my lowest game uh, is almost five thousand on Board Game Geek, wow. and is from 1975 in its initial I- initial thing. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Twilight Struggle might be my oldest in the top 10, 2005, yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. Um, so let's look at the Board Game Geek top 1,000 or so games, and what are the games that were before 1995? Yeah. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Still popular. Still in the top 100. Well, the new printing, right? Yeah. I have the original edition of that, and I loved that Never played game. it. It's, it's great. It's great. Listen, it cheats. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out who did it and figure out all the answers to the case that you're given, and then you compare how long it took you to get to that to Sherlock. Right. You can never beat Sherlock. Okay. It is impossible to beat right. Sherlock. I, I he see. is he is cheating. And that's he the is, point. Yeah. He is literally like, how did you know not to ask another question here? Right. How did you right. know to go exactly here next? And it's just it's not it's not possible. Right. But, but possible. if you beat Sherlock, then that, you know that wouldn't. How fun would that be? He's the he's the greatest. He's he's better than you. He has to be better than you. Give me a shot. Okay. Give me a shot is what I'd say. Uh, I I will say that this genre is very popular now. I would say that the game Detective last mm-hmm. year, Chronicles of Crime, just a modernized version of it with app integration. Yeah, and and both are very interesting games. I don't know if we need to play Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I think in some ways these newer versions are doing the same thing, maybe a little bit better. Totally. Uh, 131 on the Board Game Geek is Teach You, 1991. We talked about it on this podcast, Dimitri Portnoy's favorite game of all time. My wife's favorite game of all time. Really? Oh. Interesting. I didn't know that. We have couples that we used to bring over to play Teach You that will no longer come over and play Teach You with right. us. It is... It is a bloodbath. Oh, it amazing. Is, I'm going to have to play. Maybe Dimitri and I will co- go up against you guys. Oh, time. my God. No, you and Rachel. You and okay. Rachel. Uh, it's a couple's game. It's a All couple's right. game. True. Because True. It's a, there's a lot of mind reading going on. It is, two, it is two people on a team playing against another two people on a team. Couple against couple. It brings out so much. Right. And you can't see each other's hands, but you have to intuit what, what, what they're going to do. You pass one card to each other. Yeah. It gives them some information. That is the entire communication you can have. Yep. My wife and I have a system where <laughs> she passes me a card. You just I know exactly. No, it's not. No, it's you, totally yeah. legit. I know exactly what she's going to do. She knows exactly what I'm going to do. Right. We, we this is like blink twice uh, no, for no. the suit. You can't blink signal. three times for <laughs> Moira. My wife tries to signal me all the time, and I yeah. ne- I, I look away. I'm like yeah. I'm not responding. No signaling. No. Yeah. The, o- the only information you get is the card you're given. You have to intuit everything from that in terms of the strength of your teammate's hand or weakness of its hand. As Dimitri said earlier, it is a kind of amalgamation of bridge and poker. It plays fast. It plays mean. It is absolutely phenomenal. Still in my top 10. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, 177. 1830. Ranked 177. Yes. 1830, which we Correct. talked about. Uh, back in 1986. What's the full title of that? That's a great title. Railways, Railways and Robber Barons. That just sounds fun. 1830. Right? Railways and Robber Barons. Yeah. It came out in 1986. Fantastic game. Just yeah. fan- and, and that's kind of when I played it. I played it pre-1990. Wow. It was the first time I played it. Wow, it you're amazing. so much older than me. Yeah, it's true. I, I was eight when that came out. Yeah, you know, well, you, you were crushing Candyland. It's you true. were just oh, uh, man. snakes and ladders. Don't even try me. 
then D Mocker two eighteen. Uh, Your favorite I'm, game of all time. My favorite game of all time. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about it today. I'm not going to talk about it today. It is just... We will do a whole episode on it, especially because I believe a reprint is coming, maybe in time for Gen Con. I've heard that. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Going crazy. Uh, 246, Dune. We just talked about Dune. It still holds up. It is. You're going to watch that ranking skyrocket it's in gonna, the next couple of months. It's going to go crazy. It's going to be in the top 100 Look, again. If I could change things about the way... These are all games Dune. that were... I think you're naming all games that at some point were probably in the top 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, um, I'm not entirely sure. I know that uh, Demacher was, was number one at a point. Yeah, I'm sure Dune was in there at some point. It has to have been. Maybe. But yeah. just so hard to get. That's the reason. I think it could be, yeah. Uh, amazing game. I would change some things about it and modernize it. I actually think Rex, for all its flaws, did do a couple things that were good ideas in yeah. terms of good changes sure. to the game. Uh, then there is Civilization, ranked 249. Francis Tresham as well, designer of 1830. Another Francis Tresham game. Yeah. Uh, 1980. Um, I think that we don't need to play Civilization anymore. I will think. I will say this, that um, every year some designer comes up with the Civilization killer. Yeah. I don't think anyone's found the... the I'd say uh, Through the Ages. Civilization But killer. you haven't played the new version of it, the Through the Ages. I have. Oh, you have. Okay. App only. Okay. I played it on the app. I, I, um, adore I, it. I think it is amazing. I think it is the closest thing to a civilization killer, but because well, it's abstracted and there's no sure. map. But Francis Tresham invented the tech tree. Yes, he did. He inv- guys, think about that for a second. The tech the concept of a tech tree wherein I open up a branch on a new type of uh, game-breaking rule, right? So now when I place pieces, I place two pieces. That then opens up the option of, now when I place a piece, do I want to place a piece and a boat, or do I want to place a piece and a cavalry person? Now when I choose that one, so the expanding tech tree that makes you an asymmetrical power from everybody else by the end of the game was invented by Francis Tresham. I mean, Sid Meier's civilization literally is built... And entirely upon Francis Tresham's work, and it just made oh, yeah. the perfect computer version of it. But, uh, but yeah, the tech tree, which is the foundation of every tactical strategy video game and many board games, was invented by Francis Tresham. And I suggest that if you go back and you look at their tech tree and you compare it to any of the tech trees that have followed it, I don't think they've gotten better. I don't think they've yeah. gotten uh, markedly. Well, it's better, like sort of inventing the wheel, right? I mean, it's a little hard to improve upon it. Well, no, I, I mean in terms of the the design decisions as to this path takes you right. this way and that's, this path takes you that way. There's right. no one clear. Some of these tech trees in, in more modern games, they're a little broken. There's like everybody goes right, this way. Right. And so, yeah, because a good tech tree will always have an aggressive option, a turtling defensive option, a you know weird, wacky option. You know, They're always going to sort of have these archetypes that you go down. And I would say civilization was very balanced in that regard. Yeah. Uh, then game three seventy eight Republic of Rome in nineteen ninety, or as my friends call it, the bickering simulator. I've never even heard of it. Uh, you never heard of Re- Republic of Rome? Oh, I don't I believe guess. I have. Um, it plays up to six people. We uh, you should not play with less than five. Okay. Uh, we are uh, factions in the Roman Senate, and we are competing for dominance of the Roman Senate. While all Ooh, it's of got the- pretty art. All of the wars of Rome are coming down upon our heads. Uh, the reason we have never played it, there's actually two reasons we've never played it. It's got a great, I like the way it looks. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I don't think we can ever play it. Okay. Two reasons we can ever play it. Mm-hmm. One reason is that uh, your senators can die just 
die. You roll a die to see if everybody dies in a given round. And if you roll poorly, you can have three of your four. You could be winning the uh, game and three of your fun. four yeah. senators die. That's not fun. Who is the person that will refuse to play that game? Trey. That is absolutely right. Yeah, Trey, Trey hates will, dice. Trey, will, Trey, Trey will, hates games wherein massive uh, decisions are made by luck. Correct. He and he just it makes him just go. Well, this is a waste of time. Why am I playing Why, this? this is, I, could do, I could be reading a book. Like Literally anything is less of a waste of time than this. <laughs> um, then the second reason that we can never play it mm-hmm. is because the, the essence of the game is that there are external threats that are threatening Rome. There are these wars that are threatening the foundation of, the, uh, of our civilization, of our republic. Yeah. We can either spend some of our own resources to help fight that war... Or we can spend our resources selfishly to improve our own position and win the game. Right. And we can all lose the game if we don't deal with the wars. Right. Who is the person that will break that game? Paul. Absolutely. Yep. He will... Paul will want to see what happens if we lose the war. <laughs> oh, he's like, he, he's like, look, we'll be like, Paul, you've contributed nothing. He goes, yeah, I know. Do you want to just end the game right now? Yeah. You could do that. I'm yeah. going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Are you going to give me what I want or are we going to end this game? Like, oh, I hate you, Paul. Uh, exactly right. All right. So next we got, uh, I'm just going to go through the games that are still totally worthy and should be played. Yeah. Uh, number 539 on the geek, uh, diplomacy, 1959. I've never played it, which is crazy. It's probably the number one game that every gamer should play that I haven't played. I will say this. The way to play diplomacy now is play by email. If you go on and you right, Google right, right. diplomacy, you Google diplomacy online, you will find 10 different places that right. will do it online. Because you could just have it just go over months and months or years or whatever. If you're playing with me, maybe a decade. It was it was insane. Uh, one person lost his job because of an online diplomacy Whoa. game we were playing. Because, okay, first thing is when you're playing it face-to-face, I know that you're playing Italy. You know that I'm playing Russia. You can do gunboat, which means I don't know who is playing which power. So I'm getting missives from the King of England saying, we, sh- we shall attack, we shall attack so-and-so and, yeah. that, and that sort of stuff. What we ended up doing is we ended up trying to purposely write sort of in the voice of another player <laughs> so that people would think, oh, I don't think that's Tom. Tom wouldn't Tom wouldn't right. mix up there and there. Right, right, right. So I think that's that might be so and so instead. Awesome. Oh my God. How did, said, why did somebody lose their job? Because we were sending so many emails back and forth each oh, day, like I these see. huge long treatises right. on you have betrayed me and through you will his like, the, company the, email server. Oh my god, it was it was forever. He That's got hilarious. no he got no work done and, and, right. and basically got got uh, oh, got canned because That's of actually it. sad. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Uh, Kremlin, there's a game called Kremlin yep. out there, 1986. Uh, I don't really love the reprint, but the the original game is funny and it's not you know. It's not the deepest game, but yeah. it is it is a heck of a fun game to play every once in a while. Um, Breakout Normandy. Uh, Breakout Normandy is one of my favorite war games of all time. It's kind of an it's it's the old school war game that is approachable and fun. And one person plays the Germans, one person plays the Allies. We are storming the beaches of Normandy. Beautiful and we're box seeing cover. Who wins. Great box cover. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Scotland Yard. Women designer. I've played this one. Classic. Woman designer. Still one of the. Still one. That's of the almost best. could be considered a family closet game. Yeah. Well, it was Parker Brothers. Yeah. It was Parker Brothers. A lot of people have played that one. Is what I mean, like you know. Oh yeah. But it breakout it's, Normandy. It's one of those. You know. Listen. Uh, occasionally, that that big game machine is going to turn out something really, really classic. Yeah. No. I mean, all hidden movement games are based on Scotland Yard. Yeah. 
Exactly. Whether right. you're playing Whitechapel or even uh, Hunt for the Ring or uh, uh, Fury of Dracula, Fury of Dracula they, all exactly. are, they all are better versions of Scotland Yard, but right. they all are versions of Scotland Yard. But the last thing I'm going to talk about is the game that is n- number almost 5,000 on Board Game Geek that wow. is in my top 10. It is a game called Warlord or The Warlord or The Warlord Game. So here's the deal. <laughs> Uh, in 1974, oh, a geez. guy named uh, Mike Hayes in his garage in England somewhere yep. came up with this little war game. Uh, I call it Nuclear Risk. And uh, in 78, he republished it. And then in 1980, uh, Games Workshop, who does, um, you know what Games Workshop does? What's the big mini Warhammer. Game? Warhammer, exactly. Um, they put out a version of it that they called Apocalypse. That's the version that I had. Okay. It is absolutely astonishing. It what has, is it? It's a war game. It is it is sort of a war game. Think of it more like nuclear risk. Think of it like nuclear risk. It what is does very, nuclear meaning? Uh, meaning that imagine if you had a risk game in which you could acquire nuclear weapons. <laughs> oh, is he literally? Okay. I mean literally <laughs> nuclear risk. All right? So here's the deal. I got a board here between the two of us. Yeah, I'm We're looking at you brought, you brought the classic warlord with you. Correct. Which I'm, looks like uh, somebody made it at Kinko's while maybe drunk. All right. What, what? <laughs> I told you this is my top ten. Why are, you, why are you? I'm just saying what the components look like. I'm not judging the game. All right. All right. Just, just stop it. All yeah. right. I have, and and the way the game works is, uh, we start with uh, a, an army in certain places on the board. Yeah, I've never and, seen sections of ocean broken up into actual uh, pieces. Uh, se- you know, ple- the segments of a board that can be had pieces put in like that for great reason they actually they actually have there's a reason for there's that. a whole naval aspect sort of yeah 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 so let's suppose i have one two three four five six armies in orleans okay right here okay all right keeping it with board game themes yep let's say you've got an army in normandy yep and you've got two armies so he's putting little pieces that look Paris. that almost look like pills uh, little flat little discs, not large, uh, not the type. It's not a component I've seen very often. You know what they really look like? They look like the energy tokens in uh, Terra Mystica. They're that size, little tiny purple discs. Now, if I was to attack you with these tiny six, pieces, these six pieces that I have, these six armies that yeah. I have in Orleans, and I yep. was to attack you in Normandy. Okay, six how, versus one. How would you resolve that? I would resolve that with a die roll where it's six to one, and then we add a modifier of a roll. I shall read from the oh, actual rule book of Apocalypse. Okay. Under equipment, oh, you it, roll for each it piece, lists the you? board, it lists so this sort of stuff. When it comes to a die, it says, a die is included, but it is never thrown as in random games of chance. Oh, good. Okay. Trazer. It is used in a novel, skillful manner to determine <laughs> to army th- attacks. What did you throw it at your opponent's face? <laughs> no, it is literally, this mechanic has never been used before. It is so much fun. All right. Okay. Here's the deal. I have six armies. You have a in large there. wooden D6. It's not wooden, but it is a large, oh, a large D6. Okay. It's plastic? Yeah, it's, oh, it's okay. a regular no, die. It's, it a, looked, it's it looked, a nice it quality. Nice it's, a, it's a good it quality. It had rounded die. corners. I have six armies. They are attacking Normandy. Yeah, six to one. I am going to choose a number on yep. this die, and I'm going to put it under a cup. So you're going to hide it, almost like liar's dice. Correct. You, then, are going to guess... That number. If you guess the number correctly, yep. I lose that many Ooh, armies. That's if you, fun. If you guess incorrectly, you lose one army. If it is your last army, I move exactly that number yeah. into that region. Oh, cool. All right, let's play this. Did, we, did you guess? I did. All right, so you have six there. So 
you are limited, but you can't have more than six. I'm guessing in the you place. can. You can have you can have ten. You can have oh, okay. You can but, have twenty. But you're limited to a to six as you're between one and six. The max the maximum number that you can attack into one space is six. Okay. I am going to guess four. And the answer is one. <laughs> so I lose Normandy, you and lose, you move in one. And guess what? Yeah. When you lose an army, yeah. I get one stage of a nuclear <laughs> missile. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, and you're pulling out the jankiest missile these are These are actually the missiles from the original. You almost just Dimitri'd I, on your own I, game. <laughs> I almost Dimitri'd on my own game. That would be horrible. Oh, man. You can see these are stackable missiles. Yeah. They can go up as high as you want. A one-stage missile, and yeah. by the way, the missile has to go somewhere within your oh, empire. Oh, no, the stages are how far it can go? That's exactly Oh, right. wow. So if this missile... Wait, this game's go- great. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> this missile goes one space, blows up, puts a nuclear radiation counter where it blows up, yeah. destroys everything in there, and destroys everything in every surrounding area, including the place it was launched from if it's a one-stage missile. Wow. So you just can build, a lot of nukes going off in this you game, You could huh? build a two, three, four, five, six, seven, How long does stage. this game take, Tom? Uh... Variable. It plays between two and seven. Where would you recommend the the sweet spot there? I two. Think, <laughs> no, I think I think four, four is, okay. a, is, a, is a good number. How long are we looking at for a four player game of this? It can take a while. A uh, whole day. Okay, it take, I, I, I don't think it's a whole day. It's a six hour game though, right? Uh, it depends. If somebody does very well, the okay. game we played. What's the victory it, condition? Last time we played this game, it was over in two hours. Victory condition. Victory condition is majority of cities on the map. Okay, majority of cities. So the cities are the large yellow yeah. circles. Let me tell you two more things that are really, really awesome about this game. Uh, first thing is different territories have different rules. So if I'm attacking a city, I can't pick one. Okay. I have to attack with enough force to take the city. Yeah. If I'm attacking into the mountains, I can only choose one, two, or three. Mm, Mountain passes. You can't move large numbers in there. If I'm attacking from sea to land, the defender gets two simultaneous guesses. Ooh, fun. Right, so very interesting little. What a great mechanic! Right? Why doesn't why doesn't somebody steal that and use it in a modern game? Why? That's a really cool mechanic. It's brilliant. Oh, let's just make, let's make a game around that. It's, I hope somebody listening to this is a designer and hears this and goes and checks out Warlord because that's actually I would be very excited to play that mechanic. I don't know why I wouldn't be excited to play it in this game, but uh, my favorite rule of the game. Maybe though, I am. My favorite rule of the game is in order to launch a nuclear missile, it is the first thing you do on your turn. Right. Meaning. Right. I have attacked, I've attacked, I've attacked, I've built up a lovely four-stage nuclear missile yep. that you have realized can reach your heart in Rome. Yeah. Right? It can get all the way down there and it's gonna it's gonna wipe out the center of your empire. Sure. But I can't launch it until my next turn comes around. Oh, okay. So you can dedicate all you of one your turn forces. To, yeah. To take that missile site totally away from me. Right. It is it's great. It's astonishing. That's great. It's astonishing. It is no, let me be clear. It is not a Euro. This is as old school as old school can get. Sure. It is barely. It is a very abstract war game that is barely what, a war game. The, uh, the, 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 one, the, the version Warhammer that, version of it is the, called the, what? Uh, the, um, it was called um, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. But what you should get, that there, uh, in 2012, uh, Mike Hayes himself put out a new version of the game called Classic Warlord. You can order it from him directly. On the side of the box, it says, what does it say? It says the Holy Grail of War Games, <laughs> which is 
quite a claim. <laughs> and inside the box, when I got it, came with, first of all, it came with printed strategy guides, which gave you little tips in terms of how to play uh, in addition to the rules. And he wrote a handwritten note from him saying, Dear Thomas, wishing you and your friends great pleasure while playing this first edition of Classic Warlord. Mike is November 30th, uh, 2016. Wow. Uh, so dope. total mom and pop place. Uh, and it's it's one of these little... Totally forgotten classics. I'm surprised somebody hasn't sort of snagged this up and done like a big cool mini because this is sort of a you know we hate to say it but a Meritrash game. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's I Risk. Would... I mean, it's a it's a better version of Risk. I would rather play this than I would, well, I never want to play Risk, but I would rather play this than Risk any day of the week. The the mental effect of having to guess somebody's number time and it's time awesome. again it's as awesome. they invade your space. Yeah. Is Paul would be all over this. Great metagame. So much more awful than watching dice rolling well against you. It is yeah. it, it, because no, you, well, are, yeah, be, you sure. are being outsmarted by That's this great. person. Uh, that was a wonderful segment, Tom. Thank you so much. That was the uh, Island of Misfit Games, the games that time forgot. Uh, I'm very excited to see what your next segment will be. You're going to surprise us every time. Uh, you're going to have a hard time beating that. That was fantastic. Looking forward to it. Thank you, man. We now move on to Board Game Sommelier. Da, 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 the Board Game Sommelier. Yeah. Please get in those, those music. <laughs> I'm holding you hostage, get guys. Super the quick. Board Game Sommelier. Um, Only slightly better than the than other songs. <laughs> that was that the Fraser theme song, I think, horrible. by the way. Uh, all right. So this is where people send me in questions asking for recommendations. They ask me as well as our guest of the week, whoever that may be. Uh, they ask a question on Board Games, and we make recommendations. We're going to move through these kind of quickly because I as well know that this podcast is getting long. Super long, sorry. First one is, hey Matt, I have a question about a game with a trader mechanic that is on the longer side, but still has good depth to the gameplay. I like playing Resistance, but it's over so fast. I kind of like Dead of Winter, but I feel it's too easy to win without a good trader and too easy to win as a trader if you're just patient. There also There's also Battlestar Galactica. I'm not sure how much fun that game is if you're not a big fan of the show. Any suggestions? Brett, uh, your answer is Battlestar Galactica. Unfortunately, it is impossible to get. Okay. So two things. First of all, if you are not a fan of Battlestar Galactica yet, have you watched the have you watched the the Ronald the Ron Moore series? Have you really really watched it? You think that's necessary? I think it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's an amazing it's, show. You should I think, definitely no, watch that's, it. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying. First and foremost, yeah. it is one of the best pieces of science fiction that has ever been on television. It is the first three seasons of it are so astonishing. Yeah. I, outside of like original Star Trek and maybe TNG, I'd say it's in the top three best sci-fi shows of all time yeah i would argue that it's better than at least one of those two and, okay. and it's, it's absolutely amazing so we can say that i will say that there are uh two other games that i can recommend yeah uh shadows over camelot yeah is um i think Battlestar galactica is better than shadows over camelot that yeah. said if the theme is what's causing the issue shadows over camelot is a very easy theme to understand and the game plays very well yep and uh i just recently for my birthday yep. a dear dear friend of mine i got the thing got me betrayal legacy oh betrayal oh i bought i bought you betrayal legacy yeah exactly you you bought me i yes oh i'm sorry let me correct that a guy i know <laughs> uh, for my birthday yeah. some some guy bought me i hope that comes to the table Bet- betrayal legacy i haven't played it yet I but know. i will tell you that it definitely has a trader mechanic in it yeah 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 a very interesting trader mechanic in it and i hear that it is uh i hear that it is one of the best story experiences yeah, yeah, totally. you can have in a game. I, I would, cannot wait to play it. I would also recommend Mondo Tees, uh, who is best known for their uh, posters that they make, which are awesome. They've also put out a game called The Thing, Infection at Outpost 31. I have not played it. I have heard decent things, though. I've heard, and and, yeah, and, and I think it will. I mean, you know, basically all these games are based on the movie The Thing. This one is literally The Thing. 
you know, more people are going to become bad as the game goes on, I imagine. One Love person it. starts out bad. Check that out. Next uh, email is... My girlfriend, uh, me and my girlfriend love card deck building games, Unstable Unicorn, Super Fight, etc. Typically, when we play with friends, is there a game in mind that would be played with just us two? Uh, Spelled T-O. Yes. I'm going to give you, uh, that's from Steven. Thank you, Steven. Uh, I'm going to give you my top three that you're going to hear a lot when people ask for games to play with your non-gamer SO. Patchwork, Splendor, Azul. Those three are games that anyone will enjoy, even if they don't enjoy games. Uh, if you're looking specifically for a card game, which you asked for, I would highly recommend you take a look at Res Arcana or even uh, Race for the Galaxy. But I think Res Arcana is going to be a little bit easier. Those are great card-based games that I think you're going to enjoy. As far as deck builders go, yeah. um, I think Clank, two-person Clank, yeah. would be a really great choice. Also, if you've never played Dominion, just get the first box of Dominion. You can't go. Dominion's great. I mean, it's it's yeah. bare bones. It's simple. It is deck building down to its down to its brass tacks. But like, those are solid brass tacks. I explain to people occasionally that it's a shopping game. It is totally a shopping game. It's, it's like, 100%. Oh, I have six gold. I can Ooh, get this. What can this I buy with this? this. Oh. It's old school uh, Wheel of Fortune, right? Yeah. I'll take the skis. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to do one more, and then we're going to move on because uh, we are running long. Um, okay, so uh, this is the next one that I think is a great question, uh, and I'm going to point you to somebody else to answer it actually uh tenneco maddie boom uh that is a new zealand saying that i know because i've been there what two-player <laughs> game would you recommend that is good for playing after you get home from work my girlfriend and i love pandemic and the legacy edition of course but need something a bit more now we can spend a weekend or so to pick it up but not something that will be too heavy after a hard day's work this is a great question for people who want to play a game when they're exhausted uh which is often the case when you want it's a relaxing thing but sometimes your brain can't handle the heavy burners uh this is Sam from Wellington who said this. This is a great question. There was actually, I saw this and I instantly thought of a board game geek list that I saw a week ago that I read that I went, this is a great list. It's called Games Tired Couples with Young Children Play. I literally looked at the same list That's when amazing. I heard this question. Yeah, no. So Google uh, Games Tired Couples BGG. Uh, and you will get to this list. Uh, some of their suggestions are Arboretum, which I think is a really fun card game. Lost City, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Uh, Jiper, King Domino. Uh, I would add in uh, Race for the Galaxy and or Res Arcana as well. Those are all great games to play at the end of your day if you have been exhausted by your work and or your children. But I do notice that what he says is, he says, my girlfriend and I love Pandemic yeah. and the Legacy Edition. They want something need, a little more. I know. A little yeah. more yeah. That, that says not so well, light, but not so heavy. I mean, yeah. it's a, that's a tough thing to Yeah, Ra- Race for the Galaxy or Res Arcana, I, would, I, I think Tom Lehman desi- des- designs games that, that uh, have a, a, a tough teach at first. But once you have imbibed the rules, uh, your brain isn't going to need to burn so hard in the future. Yeah, I would say Sagrada is an interesting uh, uh, two-player game. Sagrada is super fun. Yeah, to, to try puzzly fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll it'll burn your brain a little bit, but it the won't amount be too of dice you're rolling might might wake your children. Though. Yeah, and uh, listen, uh, as far as the, the the deeper end of the spectrum, I think the greatest two-player game ever invented is Twilight Struggle. Well, yeah, might be I mean, might be too much to play when you get home, but might lengthwise something. is the problem. That's that's a two to three hour yeah. game, I think. And Fields of Arl, I will also say, also a they. Three-hour game, uh, but a so, brilliant. But, but for the great, but for the weekend, yeah. If no, you if, play if you're looking for bigger. heavy two-player games to play with your SO, you, you you'd be hard pressed to do better than that. Um, 
I have gotten lots of emails from all of you. I will read all of them. We're trying to move quickly through here because we have, uh, I think, just passed the two-hour mark. Uh, I promise these episodes will usually be hour to an hour and a half. Um, but hey, if you like board games, uh, you know, I, most of the podcasts I listen to are very long. I like them anyway. So I'm trying to make something that I would like. Uh, and hopefully you like it too. Um, we're going to skip the other games we're playing right now. Uh, we'll get into that next week. But uh, thank you so much for listening to the first episode. Tom, I'm so glad you were the first guest. If I had been able to cheat and have Siri roll the dice that I needed to roll, I probably would have chose you well because I think uh, it's great to have the person who got me into the games as our first one and to have somebody as knowledgeable as you on. So I'm so uh, thankful for you introducing me to this hobby and also uh, being a part of this podcast. Tremendously kind of you. It's an absolute blast. I think this is, is wonderful. I hope everybody out there enjoys it and please any feedback you have send it to us we're 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 dying to hear how we can make this podcast more what uh what you all want to hear exactly the main hub of our podcast is gamebrainpod pod.com gamebrainpod gamebrainpod.com go there for all information on how you can subscribe information about all of us uh the best ways to follow us on all of our social media forums uh you've been listening to the game brain produced and edited by matthew robinson special thanks to daedalus for our incredible music you might know him as alfred on our show more on daedalus at gamebrainpod.com you'll find links to all of his social media sites as well as where you can check out his other music which is beyond worth checking out i would like to thank our graphic designer edamar uh, peleg for coming up with all of our amazing art for this show i'd like to thank liam york for designing our incredible website which you can check out as i just said at gamebrainpod.com and uh thanks so much for listening i'm so excited for next week our guest host will be trey the designer uh i'm sure he's going to have a lot of very interesting opinions for us on that thanks for listening go and play some games with friends or go make some friends with games (laughs) 